Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 602 in the AM, Baltimore's Big Bad Morning Show on the fan. At Norse Rob Long, Jeremy Kahn. On this thirsty Thursday, Ed Norris likes to call this day. Friday, babe. Jump starting your day. Get your feet on the floor. And get rolling with us. Lots of college basketball heating up last night. We'll talk about the Maryland game at 6.15, but some good games last night. SEC, man, it used to be known as the football conference. It's doing a great job with basketball right now. Ooh, Lots of high-scoring games. Last night was a 92-84 to with Tennessee. Uh, Connect scoring, what, 21 points in the last 12 minutes of that game? Finishing up with 39? It was a good game. Tennessee's a dangerous team. Um, talking about all the different teams that could win the national championship. You know, I know we're going to mention Houston and Connecticut a lot. Purdue will get mentioned because of ED and how they've been playing as of late. Uh, but I, I think that Tennessee team is pretty dangerous. The only thing that scares me is that sometimes um, you saw it. They got the lead last night against Auburn, and then they just kind of – I don't want to talk about like having a brain fart, but all of a sudden you blinked and they were down six, and you're going, what happened? What, why did you allow that run? And I feel like they've done that in some of the big games this year. Alabama giving up 100 points in his last game against Kentucky. So what do they do? They score 100 points mm-hmm. uh, in a game uh, against Ole Miss. That was a that was a, um, a high scoring game. It, it was really a blowout. Um, uh, Alabama uh, was a 103-88. That was a blowout. Mm-hmm. Uh, scored 64 points in the second half. 64 points. It's crazy. They were down three at the half. It's crazy when you look at these games, man, and what we've seen from. I mean, they can look like two totally different teams from one half to the next. And <laughs> forgive me, but when you're watching teams like Alabama and Tennessee and some of these other teams put up, uh, you mentioned Kentucky, 90, 80, 100 points, and then you watch a team that hits 1-3 in each half, yeah, it does. Yeah. You go, it's, eh, it's tough. What are, we, what are we missing? It's tough. <laughs> and South Carolina picking up the 11th SEC win last night on the road at Texas A&M. So SEC basketball, man. Yeah, I, I liked AM last night. They're reeling. That's five in a row that they've lost. And you'd like to chalk some up to competition. They had a tough loss at like Vanderbilt that was kind of smack dab in between two good games. Uh, but that's a game last night that I think Texas AM should have won. But, you know, hats off to South Carolina playing better than we thought. Yeah, you know, Buzz Williams got some explaining to do. And, and, and I'm hearing the same thing competition. But that's when you find out what teams are all about, Ed. Competition. Yeah. Yeah, well, they're losing because the competition. Well, that means they're not as good as we thought they were. Yeah, which gets us to Maryland in the next segment because there's a lot to talk about here. Yeah. A whole is. lot. It is. 
Filipowski, uh, I guess he's not as injured as uh, it looked that he was on the uh, the court storm and he started last night for Duke. Yeah, we didn't. Um, Played 29 minutes. I'm curious how Ed feels about the whole court storming thing. Because, Not a fan. Yeah, it like even when you look at the Caitlin Clark incident and mm-hmm. and Filipowski was uh, you had the girl the the kid running at him, mm-hmm. the girl that was running mm-hmm. towards Caitlin Clark. Like I guess if you're seeing it, but both of them kind of leaned out and made yes. contact. Yes, I said both players. Them. You mean? Yeah, yeah. I said to you from the, from from the outside, Filipowski'd yeah. be all right. He was he was yeah. he'd be all right. Yeah, and and my whole point of it was like. I hate the court storming. I think it's it's not necessary. But it was milked a little bit. Yeah, but like my whole thing was, are we? Is it like where um, I don't want to use a bad analogy for police officers, but when you're looking at a situation, it's like, hey, I've been missing for 24 hours. Like this has to be a situation where we didn't have the worst thing happen, but tweak it, change some things. I'm not saying you got to arrest everybody that comes out on the floor, like Jay Billis said, but. There has to be something. Maybe you get a clock that counts down where they get to do the handshake and get off the floor, and then you guys go celebrate. But here's the deal. Number one, yeah. conferences already have rules against it, and it's mm-hmm. not working. They just don't enforce it. They, yeah, but they, they, they enforce the fines. Teams get fined for it. Well, you're talking about teams. Yeah, teams get I'm fined for it. players. Now, yeah. I like what was suggested by one commissioner. I can't remember, and I'll look it up. And I heard it. If, you, if it's against the rules, yeah. let's say Maryland beats – uh, just throw a team out there. Uh, Iowa? Iowa at home. And they storm the court. Then Maryland loses a home game the next year. Oh, off the schedule. Off the schedule. That's what one commissioner suggested. I think it was Commissioner Gordon. I believe he told Batman. He said he said that that's what he said. That there's nothing. The fine doesn't work. But if you hit them in their pocket. And that's the ultimate hitting you in the pocket. You lose a home game. You not only are you losing a home game, you're losing revenue. Now you got to spend money for travel. So it's a double whammy. Mm-hmm. So he suggested that if you have a court storming incident, that you lose a home game the next year. It just seems to me just inherently dangerous. And we haven't had terrible tragedies here, but they do have them around the world soccer yeah. and like in other entertainment venues. And this is entertainment. Like would you would you storm a stage after a concert? Well, that's what I was saying. Like it's weird that we protect, um, and I know this is where we were taking this, but it's weird that we protect entertainers while we're on, they're on stage or when they're coming off stage, or if you're going to a theater or you're going to a show and you yeah. see a play, like nobody's storming the stage. But look at the stupid stuff they do at concerts: throwing cans up at people, what? throwing things, and you know, hitting singers and comics. Why and, are we doing? Like, I, yeah. I just don't understand any of that. It wasn't a commission. I'm sorry. It was Alabama athletic director Greg Bar- Greg Byrne. He's the one that uh, suggested that you lose uh, you fo- you lose a game, home game, if you storm the court. I think that's. A, I mean, if if you really want to enforce it, or you can make them take an L for that that night, mm-hmm. you lose the game. No, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, nobody's gonna like that. Because I'd, I'd be going to away games and just running on the court. Yeah, we win exactly. I, I think. I, I think. <laughs> you know, that's that. That to me messes with the integrity of the game. You flip. You know. You forfeit a. a you you play forty minutes of basketball or more. And you lose because fans storm your court. Fans can't behave. Yeah, that that that's the integrity of the game. 410-583-1057, That's the number. Baltimore's Big Bad Morning Show on the fan. Did, did you guys get hit with a lot of wind in where you live? Yeah, a little bit. I, I had to look for my trash can this morning. Oh, really? Yeah. So I literally had to look because trash day was the other day, so it was still empty. Mm-hmm. So it was light. I literally had to look for my trash. It must can be this something moving up the coast because you know how windy it was in Florida. 
where the camera was shaking mm-hmm. and it was like uh, allegedly Grayson's home run would have not been home run except it was so wind aided. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wonder if that kind of weather front just kept moving north because it got windy. Yeah, seeing a lot of like um, you know I know we're seeing some spring training baseball. They're in good positions to not deal with weather being in Arizona and Florida for the most part. Um, but you can see those windy conditions, and I didn't notice it as much last night. Saw the rain, wondering if we were going to get, depending on how cold it would get, if we were going to get any snow. But maybe we're past all that. I like, I don't know if you guys deem it the same way. Like when it comes to the weather, like I don't even look at, hey, it's December and it's sixty degrees. No, or it's, like I don't not anymore. I, it wouldn't shock me to see snow in April or something weird. No, you know, it wouldn't like, shock me. It just disappoint me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, greatly disappoint me. Yeah. You know, it's like the weather's drunk after. When I get out of March, I feel like I'm out of the woods. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm out of the woods now. I don't, I don't. I dealt with the possibilities for four months. Now let's move on. Let's keep it moving. Four ten five eight three one zero five seven. Good morning to you, Baltimore's Big Bad Morning Show on the fan. Deion Sanders has high expectations. We'll talk about that at six forty five in the barbershop topic of the day. But on the other side, Maryland takes an L at home. Chris Knocky would join us later, but up next, we'll talk some Maryland hoops on the fan. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Throws it off the glass. No good. Rebounded inside by the guy that started the game tonight, Blake Smith, a former walk-on. And Northwestern could now begin to celebrate with six seconds to go in the game. They lead it by seven, 68-61. Maryland loses last night at home. And coming off the dominant defensive performance, you know, the expectations were a little higher. Going up against Northwestern. Northwestern is uh, 11 and 6 on the year in the conference. They picked up their 20th win last night, so it wasn't really a a bad loss. It's just it's just bad to lose uh, last night against Northwestern. Um, and you talked about this, Jeremy. They shot nine percent from beyond the arc. Nine, two of 22. Two, of 22. I saw that. Gosh. They shoot 39 percent from the field, 71 percent from the free throw line, but beyond the arc. Under 10%. You shot 25 times. I mean, 22 times for you beyond the arc. You only hit two. At some point, when do you say, you know what? It's not making it right but now. That's my question. It's like when you keep, you know, these shots keep, you know, just circling the rim and bouncing out. When do you just say, okay, not on night from the, you know, the three-point line? 
Like I, that's horrific. And and we say that from where we sit. And as I was asking that question out loud, Ed, I thought to myself, at some point, that's all the shot, only shot I'm gonna give you. If I realize Jeremy that it's not falling, now I'm stepping back. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm giving you. I'm, I'm giving you a three point shot. Well, yeah, I mean, look, it, there was a point in time, too, in the first half where your question is like, why is Jameer Young still out? Why is he still out? He played 37 minutes, um, plays the whole second half. But, like, the, you know it as well as I do in basketball when something's not working. Like, when, when the shots aren't falling, I tell my kids to attack the basket. Get to the free throw line. We're not avoiding the shots. We're not getting away from it. But I always felt like getting to the free throw line was a way to get right. Whether I'm right or wrong in that, that's how I felt when no, I played. No, I've always felt that way, too. Just get you back in the rhythm. It's like, hey, we're back at home. It's a free throw. If oh, your shot is off, the, the best thing to do is to see the ball go through the rim. Yep. That Psychologically, that gets you going. Just see the ball. And if that's from the free throw line, then so be it. But you need to see the ball go through the rim. Yeah, and, and it's not like, you know, look, they're not a great outside shooting team, which is one of the reasons why they struggle so much. Because the the spacing on the floor has to be better. You're wanting to get better looks. It's just you got guys that aren't great scores, and even the guys that you have that you know can shoot, they're not shooting well this year for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, sometimes back basketball cyclical where you can kind of get in your own headspace thinking about, man, I ain't made a three in forever. And then, like you said, you got to see the ball go through the hoop mm-hmm. in a game, whether it's a free throw, a layup. I mean, I'd rather it be some sort of shot, but. I don't know, man. I, I just watched the team, and we've talked about it. It was a tough place to play last night. Um, defense was out of their minds in the first half, holding Northwestern down. The offense was just offensive. Yeah. They held Northwestern at, uh, in the first half to 29 points. The problem is they only scored 24. <clears throat> yeah. They only scored 24. I mean, keep in mind, man, Maryland was a five five and a half point favorite going in. Um, and, you know, on a good note, thing, one of the things that really – plagues them that bothers me is the turnovers. They didn't turn the ball over a lot. Um, had seven turnovers last night. But the shooting is just, I mean, 9% from three-point land. And the 38% from the floor, 39%. You know, it's okay, but you're up, you know, your opponent's shooting 46%, and they're shooting much better, you know, uh, in general. I don't know. It's just frustrating with this team because I don't know what you do about you know what do you do about shooting? How do you how do you coach to improve that other than fundamentals? Well, I mean, you're looking for easier shots, but like when you're two of twenty two from the outside, I mean, we've got teams that take forty and fifty threes. You know, like uh-huh. it's, yeah, it, that's part of their game. And then when you eliminate it, so the but they prob- could probably shoot threes. Yeah, but the big problem is when you're like everybody knows that the way to catch up is the outside. The quickest way to catch up is defensive stops yeah, and sure. the outside yeah. shot. Right? Um, you got to get stops. You got to get buckets. But when you get to that point, you're not a you're not a very good scoring team. You struggle when you start to trail in the second half, and I think guys press. So let me ask you guys, then. is it the players' fault or the coaches? You talk about getting you know, more space on the floor and getting better looks. If they're not spaced out properly and not getting good looks, who you know where does the blame lie? I mean, I'm still putting this on the players because if they're playing defense the way they're – I know it's taught the right way. Whether or not guys yeah. are going, and and again, I I don't think it matters with the spacing on the. Well, it does matter but to get better looks, but that's I don't not think their issue. The players, that's yeah. not Maryland's issue. Uh, yeah. the, that's not there, and and that's when I flip, Jeremy. When I start seeing the way this team plays defense, that's coaching. That's coaching. Yeah. So so if you're playing defense that well, that means you're spending time teaching these guys. There there's there times. Well, you're not just working on fundamentals, but you're working on game plan. You're working on strategy. Their defense is strategic. Yeah. It's not just great defenders. This is strategic. Yeah. Hey, tell me the time that Dante Scott has been considered a good defender. 
He is now. Yeah. He's he's a good defender now. Why? Because that's something that's been worked on. So I'm with Jeremy. I think I, offensively, I just don't think the, some cats got it and some cats don't. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they yeah. have good offensive players. Ed. Yeah. Apparently they don't because that's why I've been asking this question. Like, I don't know how you improve that. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, once – I'm of the opinion. I'm going record. Once Willard, if he can get his guys in, I think he's going to be a very good coach. I do. I mean, when you look at the way this team plays defense, you look at something and, and you can see – schematically what they're trying to do on offense now. Now I can see first 10 games of the year, I'm like, what the hell are you doing? And I think he was really trying. And you go back to that, Jeremy, I think that's a lot of him trying to figure out, okay, who are we? I don't know who we are. I think if you could have gotten him on the side, hey, offensively, what are you guys trying to do? He probably would have told you, I don't know yet. I'm trying to figure it out myself. Because you you don't mean, who's your bell cow here? (laughs) Well, it's Jameer Young is is the guy you go to. But again, that's not going to the Big Ten. No. You it's need not, more. It's not enough. It wasn't enough to win in the Big Ten when you had better players last year. Yeah. You know, like, so it's it's got to get better at some point, and I think it starts with the recruiting, and you're hoping that Queen and some of these other guys come in, that that's where you're at. Because the thing I like is that they're coming in with size already. Yeah. You're going to have Queen, and, and if Juju comes back, which I, I think hope he, he does. will. I hope he does. I mean, you don't, like, the problem, and some people are like, well, why wouldn't Juju come back? You don't understand when the NBA comes calling, yeah. and somebody's like, you're going to be a lottery pick, you go. Yeah. Got, like, well, if you're not going to be a lottery pick, you're still going to make a couple of mil. You go. Yeah. I mean, you, you know? got to be a first-round pick because you want the guaranteed right. contract. Right. That's what I mean. Somewhere in the first round, you go. Um, and, and you know, sometimes guys in the second round in certain situations get a guaranteed contract. Um, but I'm with you. Uh, it's, not, it's not about developing more in college. I'm in college. I take classes. I do all these other things, all these other distractions. There's no place to develop like it is in the NBA where that's your job. All you do all day is train and play basketball. That's all you do. Yeah. Your life is down yeah. basketball. I, no I never, yeah, I never, I never prescribed to the theory of, well, he'll develop better if he stays in the college. Well, to do what? Practice and play against college players versus practice and play mm-hmm. against pros? No, you yeah. develop more when you go there. The only, like the, the only reason to, I don't want to say the only reason to stay in college like if your visions are getting to play pro basketball, whether it's overseas or whether it's here, that you know once they come calling, especially if it's the NBA, once the NBA comes calling, if they're they're letting you know something, I think it's time to go because right. we've seen situations. We had the car that brought up Terrence Morris yeah, today. Stay too long. He, yeah, and and that sounds stupid, but he did. He hung another year. Yep. We had um, what was it? X ray hit back in the day when he was told it's like, hey. You, you got to put on more muscle. You got to build. You got to bulk up. And he bulked up in his last year shooting threes. He looked terrible. Yeah. What's the guy that was on the uh, power forward that was on Maryland's national championship that left went to the Knicks? He hit the the braids. Oh man, he left and went to the Knicks. Yeah, after two years, he left after the national championship year, and he flamed out in the NBA. Oh, he did. Oh, he, you're. Uh, uh, oh God. He was the best athlete on the team. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the power forward. He was dunking. He yes. Was, uh, why did I just? He's an ex- he's an example of the opposite. Is he it left Chris something or yeah. He left. It was Chris. He left in time, Jeremy, because yeah. once those other guys left, he would have been exposed at Maryland. Mm-hmm. He looked tremendous on Chris the Wilcox. Yeah. Chris Wilcox. Thank you, Chris Wilcox. He looked tremendous on the court with Steve Blake, Juan Dixon. You know what I mean? Lonnie well, Baxter. Baxter. Well, what happened Mouton. was he was the athlete. And yes. because of the other guy's skill sets, he was really able All to he had to do was – exactly. Yeah. So so he left just in the nick of time. Because if he stays, 
Uh-uh. You know, it's, it's kind of like when you we talk about out. a pass rusher when you know the team's down and they're going to throw. It's like, pin your ears back and go get them. Uh-huh. When you had him, it's like, hey, man, just keep attacking the basket. We'll get you the ball. If you see me, if I see you pointing up, I'll lob it up there. Just play defense. And that's what he was. And big-bodied athletic guy that just didn't make it in the NBA. I don't, know if, of I don't know if he dribbled 20 times during that national championship. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. Mm. And he left in the nick of time. He cashed out. I'm, cash, I, I, I'm cashing out. I'm not going to keep playing. I'm Poor Joe out. Smith. Then he found out his wife was doing OnlyFans and they didn't have any money anymore. His wife was doing all the fans. <laughs> <laughs> Barbershop topic of the day at 645. But on the other side, it's Angry Joe. Joe, tell us why you're mad, son. Hey, two days in a row. I know. I guess I had to make up for Tuesday because I wasn't here. That's right. Why weren't you here Tuesday? What happened? Had an endoscopy. Ooh. Those are fun. Those are fun. I, I thought it was great, actually. Whose house did you go to? No, you're thinking of the colonoscopy. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Those are two different things. Uh, yeah, other, no, other similar, though. Let's go in that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, by the way, propofol is what they gave me, which is yeah. crazy to think that's what Michael Jackson was abusing. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about the recently released uh, NFLPA player rankings of their teams. These were uh, kind of surprising, I guess, for Ravens as a Ravens fan. Um not as high marks as I thought that they would get. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then if you look at the Chiefs, I don't think Chiefs fans are going to be looking, they'll be very happy looking at those this morning. This is very, it's anonymous, right? It is anonymous, though Kyle Van Noy decided to just say that he was what he gave them. So I don't. That's cool. That's I don't know. I'm just really confused about this. So we'll, uh, we'll look at these and break them down when we come back on the Big Bad Morning Show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We got Angry Joe to deal with this morning. What's up, Joseph? By God, that's his theme music. (laughs) (laughs) You haven't bust out the chair on somebody. No, I'm actually feeling in a great mood today. So this is not... Yeah, I got like nine and a half hours of sleep. It oh, that'll was, do uh, it. It was amazing. It was amazing. But uh, we're going to talk about these NFLPA team report card scores. Uh-huh. Uh, they started this last year, uh, and it seems like this will be a yearly thing, so I'm glad that they're doing this. I think it's a pretty good, well, it seems like it'd be a good insight to how things are for 
the teams, but I'm still confused by some of these, especially after what players are saying. Uh, we'll, we'll go over the Ravens real quick. Um, I'll tell you what it was last year and then tell you what it is this year. So treatment of families. Last year they got a C plus. They are at a B minus now. Uh, I also, again, find that confusing after what people say, what former players say about how they treat the families. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if, if you guys have talked to players. It seems like they're always really complimentary of you know supporting everybody. Uh, last year, if I'm not mistaken, Joe, they this one got a bad grade both years, and that's the food. I think the yeah, food got that's a bad the, grade last year. Too. Yeah, that that's uh, so no, that one was confusing because they said they included that in nutrition, right? But now it's its own it's its own category, which right. is a C plus, right? I mean, I see. According to that other article earlier, is that all they do is all they do is eat uncrustables. So I don't know. <laughs> like they, they said, they went so through like fifty five thousand uncrustables this season, yeah. or something like that. Those things are so good. Which They're one so of the delicate. food do they have at the the facility? Yeah, the cafeterias. Yeah. Yeah. Food slash cafeteria is how they listed it, it right here. It grades low both years. And who's grading this? The this is the players. Man, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, but it must be comparatively speaking to other places that you go. And it also, yeah. and it also must be based on what they need, what they want. That's, may not that's be, what I think it, it is. It may not be based on how it tastes in a prep. It may be based on that's the availability of what they want. I, yeah, what they I want on crustables, I get yeah. it. Because yeah. I, what I was impressed by, when I had, I had lunch with Harbaugh in the facility, and like they have every you can imagine yeah. by the diet you want to eat. They have keto options and this kind of option and that kind of option and different stands for everything. So, like, there's plenty of food, and it was, like, extraordinarily healthy if you wanted to eat that but way. But that, that could be one person. Well, I don't want to say one person. You're thinking, I don't know how many votes this was, but, like, somebody that, like you were talking about, wants a certain something that's well, fried never food. there. Yeah, that's never there. Or <laughs> they want them to eat too healthy. Yeah, I realize, you know, 20-something-year-olds don't eat like you and I. I, I know. Was so, it was, well, was good for us. I was impressed. Yeah. I guess maybe, like, I don't want this. Well, you get players like, like Marvin Harrison was notorious. He was known for eating candy nonstop. Yeah. You look at his body and go, like, he's just eating sugar, whatever. He, right. He'd eat whatever he wants. You got some linemen that are trying to keep weight on, and you got other yeah. ones that are trying to take weight off. Yeah, DK Metcalf's the same way. He just eats candy nonstop. He's a ridiculous. Speaking physically. of that, nutritionist slash dietitian that stated a B minus from last year. Uh, locker room went down from an A to a B minus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess more. It, the castle is how old? But the locker room is almost brand new. Yeah, so that was. I thought they had just remodeled they that did. in the last year. Uh, I don't know if last year, the last, last couple of years, last couple of years, and it is spec. It looks like you're walking into the Starship Enterprise. When it's I had gorgeous. gone there in the past, I thought I was always really surprised, but I've also never seen another one, so I don't have anything to compare it to. I, well, the only other ones I've seen, I, I, the most, the best one I've seen since it was the Jets facility because it was again brand new, and it looked like yeah. very Jetsy, it's very white and like futuristic looking, but it wasn't as nice as the Ravens. Uh, training room went from a C to a C plus. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know what gives it the plus. I, I've read something else that said that it was that the room was dated and there wasn't enough space for players to get individual um, individual care from the, the amount of trainers. Did Preston do these grades? Yeah, it's really I don't know. I do not know. I do not. That's a good point. What's an F plus? Uh, training staff went from B plus to B minus. They said that there are not enough physical therapists to help them one on one. That goes with the training room. Uh, weight room went up from a C plus to a B minus. Uh, this is the big one. Strength coaches went from an F minus. 
to a B. <laughs> yeah, that one was. And an easy I wonder one to why. Out. Yeah, <laughs> that one's very simple uh, to figure out. Was an F minus. Yeah. yeah, he was. He's in there. My triceps hurt. Oh yeah, well your back's gonna hurt because you just pulled landscaping duty. Yes. Get your yeah. ass back in there. Uh, then team travel went from an A to a C minus. Yeah, I saw that. Kyle Van Noy tweeted. He said, "I don't know what I don't know what they're talking about. I always thought it was first rate." He said, "The plane is great. Everything's all the amenities on the plane was great." So I don't I don't so know. So we got to wonder about his uh, travel experiences with uh, Patri- was the Patriots. Patriots. What was it last year? Travel. It was an A. And this year's a C minus. C minus. Mm. <laughs> Big slip. I wonder who they're asking. Yeah, I. I don't know. This is really. I think a lot of players. If you have newer players, it matters more because they're comparing it to their previous experiences. Where if you have younger guys that are just starting out on the team, they don't know any different. Well, you know, unless they play for like SEC teams or, say, or they, they play, play in college. Now, college like now that. if I'm a rookie and I went to uh, Alabama and they don't You're have gonna, this, yeah. I'm thinking this locker room sucks. Right. Yeah. You know what so I mean? That's a good point. This locker yeah. room, absolutely. If I'm thinking about travel. Man, I mean, you know, this sucks. You know, and so it depends on what college you went to, where everything was just laid out for you. The uh, so they added. I, I mentioned food and cafeteria. That was a new one that was added for this year. The other two that were added, uh, we'll start with the good. Owner got an A. So Steve Bashotti was labeled as someone they believed if they start complaining about certain things or asking for certain things, he's very accommodating and will do anything to to give the players what they ask for. Um, Within reason. Yes, yeah, obviously. But I think it shows by most of the complaints that they had last year were fixed on this year's report card. Um, so I'm sure that he'll see team travel this year and be like, what Like, what? What can we do to, to help? The other big one is head coach, and he got a B plus. Hmm. Um, within our own division... I think Zach Taylor got a B minus. Uh, Mike Tomlin got an A, and Kevin Stefanski got a B plus. Didn't isn't he going to win Coach of the Year? He's Coach of the Year, right? Yeah, Stefanski. Yeah, and he got a B plus. Maybe By his own players. <laughs> Mike Vrabel also got a B plus. Mike Tomlin's got a Mike Tomlin. Mike got Tomlin a, got an A. Got the A. Yeah, I love him. But it's it's interesting to see who got an A and who who. I think only three people got A pluses. Um, I think Bill Belichick had a C minus, <laughs> but it, it, I, that's such an odd category to me. I don't really get what is that based off of, like your personal interactions or like who do you like how he actually is doing his job. I don't, I don't yeah, really they, get they, that. What, what are they evaluating on? Yeah. yeah. Um, but just one one other thing I wanted to mention: the Chiefs are absolute like their report card is absolutely terrible. It is. It is, is trash. It really? it's yeah, trash. they're overall if you like the they're graded 31st out of 32 teams. Yes. Wow. <laughs> the Super Bowl champs. Yeah. Wow. It is um, absolute garbage. Food service C minus, nutritionist F, locker room F, training room D, <laughs> training staff F, weight room C plus, strength coaches C plus, team travel D, head coach A plus. Owner F minus. Yep, really. Clark Hunt yeah. was the worst, the worst owner in the league. Maybe we're too soft on the Ravens. <laughs> yeah. Chiefs win the Super Bowl every year. Well, so. the Ravens were they were ranked fifteenth out of thirty two. That's two spots up from last year. They were seventeenth as your cumulative grade. But uh, <laughs> C plus, baby. Hey, C's get degrees. Yeah. Thank you very much, Joseph. 
World is stupid at 7.15, but on the other side, Deion Sanders talking playoffs. Playoffs? Man, this is Bark bigger than his bite. Baltimore's Big Bad Morning Show on the fan. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. 648 in the AM on this Thursday. Ed Norris's favorite day of the week, as he calls it. It was Friday Eve, babe. Almost done. Almost done? The what do you mean the week? Not the, the week. day. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> say, now, last year, all the talk in college football was Coach Prime. He even has his own special on TV, his documentary. Or it's not, it's, not a, it's not a documentary. It's more of a... Um, it was a series, wasn't it? Yeah, a series. More like a... Um, I mean, it's still a documentary, a, but it's... A hard knocks type of they thing. They call it a docu-series. Docu-series, right. okay. All the talk. Now, his team won, what, four games this past year? Four. They started off on fire. We realized TCU wasn't the same TCU team that played in the national championship, folks. Does anybody remember when he talked down to that reporter saying, no, you don't get to talk to us because you don't believe in us? Exactly. He's a reporter. Why has he got to believe in your team? He's just reporting what he sees. Everybody believes. Does everybody remember when he got upset with a TCU coach because he didn't give his son a chance, but he's the same guy that told oh, everybody to get in the transfer portal his first meeting? Yes. Everybody remember that? Yeah, I remember that. All right. <laughs> so Deion Sanders saying college football playoffs for the Buffs in 2024. Do you believe you feel like Deion Sanders sometimes is more talk than substance? I've always felt that way. I mean, look, I and, and I know you have. And <laughs> no, I I, I, I love, thought about the two of you, the contrast of the two of you, your opinions of him, and when when I put this together, well, well, I love the player. I'm just not a fan of the person, to be honest. Like I've had my interaction with him, told you how he treated me when I was around him, but like it's neither here nor there. Um, as a coach, I, I I've said it all along. I think Colorado is going to be a problem. I knew it wasn't last year, even when everybody was like, oh, I can't believe you you picked against them. You saw what happened. like, guys, watch the games. Watch what's going on. Right. You'll see it. You, you will see when they start playing the upper echelon teams what happens. And then they started losing to the middling teams yeah. and just fell apart. Um, I do think it's a great story. I think it's good for college football that people are talking about it. Uh, I don't know that this year is going to be their year, but it's coming, guys. Like They're, they're going to get so much talent there. You think so? Yeah. It. You think he's more talked than substance? In this case, yeah. I have it, to me. There's a huge contrast or difference between the player and the coach. The player was as good a cover corner as I've ever seen in my life. He could talk the talk. He could walk the walk. He could talk like that because he could back it up. Mm-hmm. This is like, and you're also a coach now. You're supposed to be the the adult in the room. Um, so I don't know. And I think it. You know, it's a lot more hype than, than substance. I like that. You don't feel that he's always the adult in the room. No, he's not acting. I like, like that. It. I like yeah. that. Yeah, he's not. I like. How do you go to a reporter and say you don't believe in us? Because so did he apologize to the guy at the end of the season, or did the guy get to go back and go, "Hey, Coach Prime, I had it right. Do you want to <laughs> say anything to me? Yeah. You guys won four freaking games. Like everybody was all about them, and I love what they brought to college football. But all of them, Shador. You want to talk like they were all talking so much smack the into like before the games going up on the opponent's field and yelling yeah. and dan- like yeah you guys are three and four and you're doing that what are you doing come on man mm. 
Well, the uh, playoff expansion, you know, he could look at it right now. Um, for college football, he could possibly, possibly creep into it. Powerful conferences and things of that nature. He could possibly creep into it, but I don't think so. I have no confidence at all. I have more confidence in him not making it. I do. And and the thing is, what gets me is uh, when Dion first started, I remember posting something about it and someone saying to me on on social media that I should be more supportive of him because he was an African-American coach. And I pointed out the fact that the coach that he was coaching against that week was also an African-American coach, which what? The Pofotai? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. I and and I and I and I and I get that and I love that, but at the same time, I, got, I have an opinion, and and I think Deion Sanders, as a coach, as a coach, I, th- I like what Ed said. I, I've never said that before, but I like that. Sometimes you have to be the adult in the room. When I get when we get reports that your son, your quarterback, is is on Instagram. At halftime, when you have a big lead and you lose that lead and ultimately lose that game, that's a problem. That's a that's a cultural problem, Jeremy. Absolutely, that's a cultural problem. I can't ignore that because I'm supposed to cheer for him. I can't ignore that when I see things like that as a coach. I'm thinking to myself, man, you got to clean that up. That's your son and your quarterback. Yeah, that he has two reasons, two reasons to do the right thing about your culture. And he's on IG at halftime. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I, that I didn't ridiculous. make it up. I didn't make it up. The timeline says it was at, it was at halftime. Yeah. All right. So let, let me throw this at you because Colorado's in the Big Twelve in twenty twenty four. For people that don't right. know, right? Um, are they going to be better than? I mean, you, they're going to have to be a top two team in that conference, yes, they do. right? Yes, yeah, they you do. would think. So you're going to have Houston, Cincinnati, Arizona State, Colorado, uh, BYU, mm-hmm. Baylor. UCF, Central Florida, for people that don't know did anybody, Texas Tech. Did, did, did BYU and the Big 12 sneak up on anybody else but me? That snuck up on me. That they were there? Yeah. yeah. I, rem- I knew snuck they up were on there, me, man. but I didn't think, because I still think Mountain West. Because they won they won a, a, a game against, uh, who they beat the other night in basketball in Big 12? Kansas. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why, why are they playing non-conference this time of the year? Look, oh, dang, I forgot they were in the Big 12. But you're going to have your usual suspects in the Big 12 minus Texas and Oklahoma. Um but from a football standpoint, Utah has a chance to be good. Oklahoma State chance to be good. TCU Utah is always good. Yeah, so I'm just yeah. saying, like they're they're in a tougher conference, but there is there is a way for them next year. I think to get into the playoff. 24, 25, 24, 25. I definitely think they're going to be there. I just think unless he just bows out and gets tired of it, I just think they keep reloading. They're going to have so much more talent than everybody else, and I think they're going to be the cream of the crop in their conference. I don't want to. I don't want to take the credit for this. But I, I agree. I think if Deion Sanders gets a chance to go somewhere like SMU, somewhere in Texas, that's when he's a problem. He's a problem then. Yeah, but I think Colorado's still going to be able to get into Texas. Like, if you look, they did have some recruits back out after the way their season I'm finished. talking about the money. The, 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 the NIL oh, money. Yeah, that's what yeah, I'm talking yeah, about. I'm talking, about I'm talking about the money. I'm not talking about the recruits. And then the, the NIL brings the recruits. 410-583-1057 is the number. Baltimore's Big Bad Morning Show on the fan. Our barbershop topic of the day, Deion Sanders is talking college football playoffs for the Colorado Buffaloes in 2024. Is he uh, all talking, no substance? Baltimore's Big Bad Morning Show. want to hear from you right here on the fan. 703 in the AM, Baltimore's Big Bad Morning Show on the fan. Deion Sanders, head coach of the Colorado Buffaloes. And I'm like you, uh, Jeremy. 
Deion Sanders was one of my favorite players back in the 90s. Oh, my God, I loved him. I loved him in baseball. I loved when he took the helicopter and played in the World Series and played mm-hmm. in the football game. They get an interception in that game. I mean, he just – the guy was – he was the dude. Seriously. I mean, everybody loved Bo Jackson. I understood why they loved Bo Jackson. Deion Sanders was my favorite two-sport athlete, and I think because he did it longer. I think that's why he was my favorite. And also, I related more to him. You know, he's a smaller guy. And also, I, I think – and I love the swagger. Mm-hmm. I love he – had, he had tremendous swagger, man. He could talk to talk and walk to walk, as Ed said earlier. That personality as a coach is a little off-putting. Like, oh, dude, you got to – you know – I feel like sometimes, other than his wide receiver and his son, name two other players. His other son. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It, it feels like it's more self-promoting than it is promoting the players. And Travis is the best player on the team. He is. Like, he, um, yeah, absolutely the best player. Travis, he's, he's awesome, man. Two-way player. Mm-hmm. Offense and defense. Deion Sanders talked about getting to the college football playoffs in 2024. Shoot, I believe, man. I don't just wear this on my shirt and on my chest. I truly believe that that what we have in-house. Last year, and Key watched all these games, man. We were seven points away from a multitude of wins. Uh, probably seven or eight more wins. We just didn't know how to win. We got, we got our butts kicked. Twice. We got a bunch really kicked twice. There was no win. When we walked in, it was 30 on the scoreboard. Mm. But uh, several of those games, we could have won those games. We could have really been a uh, definitely a, a, a bowl team, but we could have been someone who made a lot of noise. We made noise, but now we're going to make some sounds. Well, it's to what he just said, yes. okay, could they have won more games? Sure, they could have. Um, could they have lost more games? Yeah, they could have. They had some games that were crazy. But you think back – when he said we could have been a bowl team, that's just, just a couple more wins to be bowl eligible. And any bowl would have loved to have had Colorado in it. But you kept losing to inferior opponents in the Pac-12. And you even blew a lead where Rob talked about it, where your son was on Instagram at halftime talking smack. You know, like, get your house in order. Now, the close losses he's talking about, USC, 48-41. You can call that a close loss. They were down 17. In the, like they They lost by seven, but okay. Uh, the double overtime loss to Stanford. That's the one that he, the Instagram won, yeah. 46 to 43. Uh, the 34 31 to Arizona, that loss. And maybe you could talk about the Utah loss, a 23 to 17 loss. So those four close losses, that puts them at, instead of four and eight, eight and four. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's right about that. And then the, the ones, the 42 to six against Oregon, they never stood a chance in that game. Uh, the 28-16 to UCLA was worse than that, to be honest with you. And the 26-19 against Oregon State, that sounds close, but it really wasn't. You know, those other four ones, was, he's right. They, those are really, really near misses on those. Still 4-8. and eight. I know. I, mean, I get it, but, you know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I, I'm validating what he said. I know. I just think because it had such a, it was such a, a hallmark after school special story at the beginning of that season. He comes in, he you know, tells everybody to leave. They start off with a you know a bang and they start winning games that they didn't well, nobody expect him to win and they whoa, he's for real. And then Can I also say that those four losses, that three of them they could have lost, the forty eight, forty five win to TCU that they came back and won. You mean yeah. the, four, the four wins they had. Yeah, yeah the four wins. Yeah. The double overtime win that they had against Colorado, Colorado State, State, who wasn't good at all. Yeah. I think they were twenty eight point favorites in that game. Yeah. Like, and then also the 27-24 went over Arizona State, who, by the way, psst, 
not good either. <laughs> so my question, our question for you today, Deion Sanders, um, uh, is he more? Is he all talking no substance? Hubie in Baltimore. What's up, Hubie? Good morning, fellas. Normally Hubie? I'm in agreement with y'all, amen, but not this morning. I'm going to play devil's advocate. Uh-huh. Uh, Deion, they needed the Deion Sanders because the culture at Colorado for the last 15 years, man, they believed in losing. So he had to get up there and, like, change the culture with his antics or what he do in a smack talk because, hey, you can get into a funk of losing. Trust me. You should know that, Rob, as being a coach. Kids can get into the point of thinking they can't win. You know, so for him to hype them up and to get them going, and like y'all called out his record, the near misses that he when he did lose, I mean, they were close. They weren't even close. He had three close wins. What do you? T- it, you it plays both ways. If you're going to say take away the three close games that they lost and give it to them so they can become bowl eligible, you got to look at the games they won where they won by three in double overtime, one by three. So why is it any? You don't need to come in and be a jackass to change a culture either. You don't need to come. But he is no matter what any one of us say, he is changing that culture there. Things are different. People want to go there. Mm-hmm. Coaches want to coach there. Well, players that, you know, guys that he's known, like Warren Sapp's dying to get in. Uh, Ocho Cinco asked to become a wide receivers coach. All these things. Mm-hmm. So I think he's, those first few weeks at Colorado, he paid for everything. So it's a great move. Nobody's arguing that. But he talks so much smack for not having that team. Here's the thing about the Here's the double-edged sword with that, okay? He changed the culture, Ed, by what he's saying. And he's building great expectations. How much um, how much time does he have before he has to back it up, though? Because if he if he doesn't do it soon, yeah, I'd say two seasons. Okay, after after well, the first one, so three overall, three overall. Yeah. yeah, but the one caveat is if he's bringing in money year after year. They don't care. I understand that. That's the that, that's the people upstairs. Mm-hmm. But the fans eventually going to be like, okay, we keep hearing this. We got to see it. And the people upstairs bringing in money. Well, he's bringing in money because people are buying all this. You see all these people wearing this buff stuff now. People are going to the games. They're watching on TV. That ends, like Ed said, two more years of that. You're not winning. That ends. So you're not. You're no longer bringing in the money. Yeah, because seriously, if they have two more seasons where they're like four or five win team, who's wearing their Colorado gear around the country? Yeah, nobody. Nobody's going to that. You can keep. I, I, you can bump your gums when you win, but you gotta eventually, Jeremy. You gotta pay your tab eventually. You gotta pay it. You can't keep talking. I'm, I mean, I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying, like, you know, I, I think the more money he's bringing in, the longer, uh, I don't want to say the leash, but the longer he's going to be able to stay there. I mean, I think he's going to be able to leave whenever he wants unless. you got to win. I don't think, you, I, I don't think, as long as the money's coming in. I, like That's my point. The money's going to dry up if he doesn't win. They lost and the money's coming in. So because I, there's still enough hype. He, people still believe. There's still some hope there because he can still talk now because he only has one year behind him. If you get three years behind you, you're still talking this talk. People are going to be folding their arms like, all right, I still yeah, hear what you're saying. See, mm-hmm. I still think he's going to get the support. I do. Let's I think go. people blindly support him because it's Dion. Let's go to Baltimore and get Rashawn. What's up, Rashawn? Hey, good morning, fellas. What's up, man? Hey, hey, real quick, man. Y'all going to be out um, this weekend to any of them CIA events? I am. You know, I'm trying to hit the... All right, you know, I got this uh, Kentucky money is just burning a hole in my pocket. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. <he> is, he, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't wait to see this cat next time. 
<laughs> Dude, he was texting yeah. me. He was texting I, the entire game. <laughs> I saw I saw this old video and three of his buddies out there trying to rap. What was that? Like 2000 what? <laughs> On Facebook. 2003, man. He came across. I'm like, what the hell He still thinks this? he's a Tupac back then? <laughs> All right, what's, what's on your mind, man? Um, no, nah, man, I, I don't think Dion them going to make the, uh, uh, was it the national championship? or The playoffs. The, playoff. the playoffs um, next season. I'm thinking more like 2026. Okay. You know, then he had you know, a lot of the recruits in there and everything like that. I think 2026 the earliest. So let me man, ask you this. Going, let me ask you this. Yeah. If he doesn't cash in by then, do you still believe the hype? Nah, I ain't going to believe the hype. But um, like you say, he's going to bring money to the school. I don't think, you know, the you know the, the owners, the GM, whatever, the uh, uh, what they call them. The athletic directors the, and the, the presidents. Athletic directors. Yeah. yeah, I don't think they're going to get rid of them because I looked at t- uh, prices for tickets, man. Like, they high as hell from Colorado games out there. It's like $500 for nosebleed section. Yeah, man. yeah. He's, like, he's so brought he's the hype. Be, Maybe you should have bet yeah, more he, on uh, Kentucky. And you can afford it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should have, man. First class flights. Yeah. To other countries, he goes places I never heard, I heard of. He was, I heard Rashawn was riding on Diddy's jet. Is that true? Oh, oh I'm not putting that on. Him. <laughs> I'm not putting that on. Him. <laughs> hey, what are you doing? <laughs> Watching the combine is it tougher to grade evaluate quarterbacks now because of uh, uh, the multi-dimensional quarterbacks? We'll talk about that at seven thirty. But on the other side, we get stupid with Jeremy Khan. We're gonna talk about what a weightlifter ate because he thought it helped out. I'll tell you, tell you what he was putting in his body. Uh, we're also going to talk about a driver that got stranded at a bottom of a 400-foot California cliff for two days. Wow. I, I, I Tiger Woods? No, no. I want to get into this and kind of see what your guys' thoughts are um, exactly on, like, what would be going through your mind sitting in that car? How, how would you be doing at the bottom of that cliff, depending on what you're going through? Also, we're going to talk about um, Miley Cyrus's mom. She did something that has a lot of people questioning it. I don't think any one of us could do it, but let, we'll get into it, uh, talk about that. You guys got to hear what she did, allegedly. Uh, that's coming up next in the World of Stupid. I don't think there's anything um, outrageous here. Let's start off with this guy. Driver stranded at the bottom of a 400-foot California cliff for two days after crashing over the edge. Um Again, uh, California's Big Sur, after barreling over the edge, California Highway Patrol's Coastal Division Air Operations Unit conducted an aerial search on Tuesday for the man, an employee of the luxurious Post Ranch Resort, after Pacific Grove Police said he never returned home. The solo male was standing next to the vehicle, frantically waving a makeshift flag at the bottom of this ravine. Here's a picture of like how far he fell, so he survived. Wow. That's the thing. Like, I don't know what uh, you, you talk about your injuries and whether or not you can can you make your way up the I, the side of the cliff. Now, obviously, in that picture, you can. It's straight down. Yeah. But is there an area where you could climb up? Well, also, how badly is he hurt yes. to climb? Yeah. So that would be the thing. Uh, I It's just weird to me. Like, I'd have my phone on me to be able to call somebody, right? Well, how if can I survive? If, Maybe yeah. phone didn't survive. Again, like, so it took two days to find him. I mean, what would be going through your guys' mind just sitting there waiting, wondering if someone's coming to get you? Like, I've heard stories of, we had the one person that um, died in, uh, what was it, the Grand Canyon on, like, a hike, and his dog stayed with him. And they were talking about, like, yeah, you wait a couple more days, that dog would have started eating him. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just animals, as much as they love you, hunger takes over that. Yeah. Um, if you've ever heard stories of people that died in their house, especially with cats. Cats will eat you quicker than anything. I, I know, but they're little. I, and I get it. But it's funny. I was watching my dog just demolish, like, a leg bone of a cat. Like, he's just destroying this thing. I'm like. A leg bone of a what? 
cow like a he's got a he's got a he just loves bone we buy oh, him, okay. i buy him buffalo horns i thought like, like he went out and got something no i buy him these you know the real cuz the only he doesn't blow through is like these you know massive bones or horns mm-hmm. he loves buffalo horns and and these leg bones and but i'm watching him chip away at these giant bones i'm like holy good god yeah, he could do that to me. Yeah. Like uh, they, yeah. they are descendants of wolves. Man. Yeah, <laughs> it's in them. Let, let, no matter how domesticated you make them, it's in them. Let's get to this story. So so I love them. Let's talk about Tish Cyrus, who is uh, Molly's or Miley's and um, Noah's mom. Noah is Miley's sister. I don't know if that's her mom. That's her little sister with the dark hair. Uh-huh. Dominic Purcell was apparently with Noah. Okay, Dominic Purcell is an actor. He was in the last Blade movie. He was one of the two brothers on Prison Break. Uh, she really looks like her mother a lot. She does. Um, she's So here's the story. Tish Cyrus was seen for the first time since being accused of stealing her husband, Dominic Purcell, from her estranged daughter, Noah. So now they don't talk. Oh, so they, they're married now? Yes. Oh. Noah and Tish don't talk. Uh, oh. Miley Cyrus' mom was spotted. How would you like to just be Miley Cyrus' mom instead of be Tish Cyrus? It's just, hey, she's famous. In Beverly Hills, driving out, girl. Yeah, driving out of a parking garage in her Toyota SUV gra- after grabbing a bite, dodging question from paparazzi. Looks like uh, Dominic himself had joined her as he was caught on camera in a different car while parked outside the lot. Have you guys ever, well, none of us would ever date like a significant other of one of our children. I know that for a fact. No. But like, but, like for example... Having a close friend and they break up and you have a relationship. Like, I couldn't I've go through with it. any of that. I've never done it. It's I'll a t- dumb idea. I'll tell done. you guys a true story. Like, uh, my childhood friends that we hung around with, one of my mm-hmm. best friends, his longtime girlfriend was like one of my best friends. We would go to the movies together mm-hmm. to where people would, like, my buddy knew nothing was going on there, but people would always ask questions like, hey, something going on there? It's like, no, nah, man, I'd. I'd rather I'd rather die than do something like that. Like, I just think that's one of the most awful things. I could never imagine... Trying to steal my son's girlfriend. Well, even, or whatever. See, even if, well, even the friend when they're free, like I, I've had that up. My friend Michael is my best friend growing up, and his girl they broke up, and his girlfriend kept contacting me, and like I'm like I can't because you know if I even if I did this will fizzle out in six months, and I'll never talk to him again. Yeah, you know it's gonna be a lifelong friend. And some girls no. will do that. Not that they really right. wanted anything to happen. They just want to make the other person hundred percent mm-hmm. yeah. and use you to put. Yeah, oh uh, yeah, yeah. Isn't that right? I get it. Well, <laughs> let's talk about this. Any guess to what a weightlifter ate because he thought it was going to help him? Poo. No, I mean, there's a big thing with breast milk in the weightlifting. I know. You know, everybody knows about that. Like, there's a big thing with guys drinking breast milk and buying it on, if you want to call it a black market, going on uh, Reddit and purchasing mm-hmm. it. Or I don't know where you can actually buy breast milk. Down a block. A red, you know Cambodian. That's nice. So, this guy was eating coins. I heard that somewhere. Yeah, Cambodian breast milk. This guy was eating coins and magnets, and you want to know why? Because he thought zinc helps in bodybuilding. Cornbread and what? No, no coins. coins. Coins and, and magnets. magnets. Yeah. Coins and... Yes, he wanted to be the man of steel, apparently. Uh. Doctors at New Delhi Hospital, this was an Indian man, removed 39 coins and 37 magnets from a man's intestines. After he swallowed the metals under assumption that zinc helps in bodybuilding. It's nice. X-rays take... Oh, my God. Let me just show you the X-ray of his insides here. And I will... I'm going to share this on social media, guys. Like... It went away. Uh, did it go away? Is it? Is it showing now? Ah, bless it. I turned the damn computer. You some... Mm. I hate <clears throat> does this. But, yeah, so, like, with with all these coins... Here you go. 
That's his x-ray with all the coins and magnets in it. I mean, there's just so many. They're over top of their, like, it's crazy to think that someone would do this, but, I mean, they're, and here's all the coin. Here's all the things they took out of the system. Like, the one thing looks like a gigantic coil. Like, who's yeah. doing, who's swallowing this stuff? Does he understand it's got to come out? Like it's one not way or the be, other. Yeah, it's not going to be pleasant. One way or the other is coming out. At least this cat isn't calling you about your extended warranty. Um, doctors learned that Did the- I tell ex- you about that? <laughs> doctors learned the extent of what he had done after he arrived in the emergency room with complaints of, oh, unbelievable, <laughs> vomiting and abdominal pain. Huh. Go figure. Surgeons noted that the magnets and coins had lumped together in two separate loops in the small intestines because when you put the coins in with the magnet, what's going to happen? Think, think, think. Hey, there's one big thing trying to make its way through, you jackass. What's wrong with you? A large amount of the metals were also found in his stomach, and they were promptly removed. That's your world of stupid. My friend, my friend, friend of mine texted me laughing at me because I said cornbread. I thought cornbread. you said cornbread. <laughs> hey, I thought you said cornbread. Mm. What do you want? Cornbread. <laughs> Write your own jokes there. Chris Naki shows us at 7.45, but on the other side, has it become harder to evaluate quarterbacks with the development uh, on the position in the last decade? So many things to look at consideration. When has 40 times been this important for quarterbacks? Baltimore's Big Bad Morning Show on the fan. Seven thirty in the AM, Baltimore's Big Bad Morning Show on the fan. Hey, remember the days where you graded quarterbacks on their ability to stand in the pocket and their strong arm, and that was it. Yeah, pretty much. That was it. Stand in the pocket, make every throw. That's what the quarterback. If you look back on it, Jeremy, it was so boring. He stands tall in the pocket; he can make every throw. Hey, draft him. That was it. That's all you needed. That's not it anymore. That's not it all at all now. It is. It might be at the toughest position now to evaluate because the way the position has morphed over the last ten years, really yeah. last five years. We to be honest. Even, think about it. You're talking about evaluating guys as they're coming into the league or potential coming into the league. Think how hard it is to evaluate guys that are established in the league. Yeah, like the reigning MVP. Mm. People still criticize him. He's the he's the MVP twice. Nah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure about him. Yeah, that's exactly what you get now. It's like, come on, well, Jeremy. It's, it's it is tough. I mean, you got the guy Richardson that got drafted in the first round out of uh, uh, Florida. I mean, it's it's these guys so now. It's a different way of evaluating quarterbacks. We have uh, all right. So think about it from all the different levels. Of what we have, we have big quarterbacks. Short quarterbacks that get drafted in the first round now, whereas if you were a tiny quarterback, you weren't going in the first round. Number uh, one overall pick was yeah. five years ago. Kyler Murray, and then Arizona has to tell us every year that he's still their quarterback before the draft starts. Um, I don't know if they've done that yet this year, but like you think about that, and then you think about running quarterbacks versus passing quarterbacks. How about guys that had one year of success versus guys that couldn't get it done at one school and transferred to another? Oh, does that mean that they're not good enough? The Joe Flacco to Delaware after yeah. not being able to get on the field at Pitt. Joe Burrow at Ohio State going to LSU. Um, and then you talk about the one-year wonders like we've seen from uh, some of these guys. The Mitchell Trubisky's of the world. Should they be drafted up top? Um, you know, you're mentioning Anthony Richardson and what he did. And people are going, I don't know, man. They, they didn't win at Florida. And I mean, he's athletic, but is he? can he complete enough? And can he do that? And then you watch him going... 
That kid looks amazing. He did. If we got hurt, he looked awesome. And I don't know what type of player he's going to be at this level, but like if if what I saw, he looked from confident two- too. Look, I mean, he took ownership of that offense, yeah. man. Yeah, and, and people are wondering, well, will they give him his job back when when he comes back because he made a run? Absolutely, they will. And they should make Gardner Minshew go get him drinks whenever he needs it. That's what he should be doing. <laughs> I mean, that looks like, like I'm, I'm not trying to disrespect Gardner Minshew, but you, like, know, it, you did it effortlessly. Yeah, so it happens. <laughs> but, I'm just saying, like you know, like there's no rhyme or reason. You can't tell me a short quarterback can't get it done. You can't tell me, like, Kenny Pickett got drafted and they were saying his hands were too small. They might be right. I don't think he's very good. But, like, we've heard the hands thing with guys. We've heard, oh, you know, he's he runs too much. He doesn't do this or he should switch positions. I, like, it is getting more difficult to watch quarterbacks. But when you see something good on tape, why can't that just be it? Unless it's the competition he's playing that he's, you know, it's not good competition. I get that. But the film should tell you everything. Film should tell you more than anything. Seriously. More than any indicators. Yeah, I don't know why people go to other stuff. Like, oh, let's watch this combine. Let's go watch him run around with, um, you know, in his underwear and socks and see what he does. <laughs> like, well, what's that going to do? You just want to watch him in his underwear and socks, period. Hey, happens. Happens. <laughs> yeah, but I'm with you, though. But but would you agree, though, now it's, it's tougher to evaluate him? Well, yeah, because the things that you would normally cross guys off for is like, oh, he's short. I'm not taking him in the first round. Oh, if he was there in the third round, it's just not the it's not the case anymore. Um, you know, like Lamar, they were telling him to become a wide receiver. The guys wanted to be why didn't run. A, that's why he didn't run a forty. So mm-hmm. I, I, again, I do think it's harder to evaluate guys, and you just can't look at, oh my God, he's six five and he throws at eighty yards and he completed seventy percent of his passes. Yeah, but can he read a defense? Not only that, not only that, can he protect himself from this guy running a four four? It was 260 pounds coming off the edge. I think that is what changed everything. We talked about, think about this. Lawrence Taylor, with one hit, made the left tackle the highest second, paid. Second most important position on offense. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But guys like, I mean, you name them. The pass rushers now, Watt and and the, the guy in uh, Cleveland. Um, Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. They made the 40 time for quarterbacks important because they come off of that – Damn that left tackle. They're, they're lining up on the right side, on the left side, up the middle. These guys are so talented, they don't line up on one side anymore. They line up all over the field. They line up knuckles down, knuckles up. So now that quarterback has to be elusive, has to be able to protect themselves. So you can be six foot five statuesque and throw the ball 80 yards while, while rolling out. That's fine. But how long are you going to last well, you got Garrett coming off the edge. Yeah, like, um, what was it? NFL Network did the the top 10 most mobile quarterbacks. And number four was Dan Marino. And everybody said, what the hell is this? What does this mean? They were talking about his ability to move within the pocket. Yes, he and was. that's what made him. He was. Like, that's why they called him mobile, is that he would. Uh, I don't know if he's top five, but he was. That, that's what That was his thing. And not only that, but Dan Marino could release the ball. He could throw the ball 30 yards without rearing back. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I mean, Dan Marino will hold the ball like right to his side, and if he saw you coming, he would release it from that point. That's what made him so effective I mean, as well. He had an incredibly quick release. Yeah. I mean, that's what really did make him special. He didn't rear back. <laughs> he, he could throw yeah. the ball. He could throw some passes without rearing back. Just from here, bam, yeah, let was, it go. Is that because of all the coke he did in the 80s? 
hey, whatever works for you. Don't let you know. It's so funny you say that. <laughs> what? <laughs> the fact that they didn't want him to go to New York because they thought it'd be too much for him. So he goes to freaking Miami. <laughs> silly. Do you remember that? <laughs> well, he can't go to New York City. It'll destroy him. Okay, let's send him to Miami. All right. You got any more of that gum, Ace? That's none of your damn business, and I beg you to stay out of my personal affairs. <laughs> uh, well, they were talking about doing Ace Ventura ruined his career. But, you know, I, you know, it, it is getting tougher to evaluate quarterbacks, and the thing that makes it more difficult is that everybody knows you need one, and now you go out of your way to get one, and teams convince themselves they found the right guy yeah. because that's the position. Oh, we're drafting eight, and two guys are off the board? Let's take a closer look at the guy that's rated third out of all these quarterbacks. Oh, we really like this guy. Do you, or did you just convince yourself you liked him? I, I personally, I love what the quarterback position has become. It's about time. You know what I mean? That every other position is diverse. You can have a fast receiver. You can have a possession receiver. You can have a route running receiver. You know what I mean? You can have all these different types of receivers. You can have different types of running backs, different types of offensive linemen. But for so long, one type of quarterback. The guy who stood strong in the pocket that could make every throw. Now there's so much diversity to that position. Now you have quarterbacks that have, have run more, quarterbacks that are more athletic, quarterbacks. Just there's still a there's still a place in the NFL for Justin Herbert. Yeah, there's still a place for him. I'm not saying you eliminate that as quarterback. I'm saying now, and, and I think that's what makes it even tougher. And the fact that there's so many different types, you got to figure out which one fits with your system. Yeah. If I draft this guy, do I have to change my roster around him? Because I don't have a roster that fits this guy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes it so difficult now. I, well, I think it does, and I think you know, I think it goes into that, it, not just the um, the advantages you have with some people, like say Lamar Jackson, where he runs like nobody else and is incredibly elusive. But you talked about Jeremy so much, you know, short quarterbacks. My quarterback's going to be five nine, five ten now. How do we adjust for this? We have to open up passing lanes. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, he's you, you, not going to be able to see over the offensive line. So, I mean, they have to think of all this. Yeah, roll them out a little bit, get yeah. them outside the pocket. But then, you know, are you taking some of the field away from them when you do that? So, I don't know. I, I, still, I applaud it. The NFL's finally uh, uh, let his guards down. I think they did it out of necessity. I think they did it again because defenders are – you used to have – guys that played defense used to be the guys that couldn't make it on the offensive side of the football. Now, you're putting some of the more elite athletes on the defensive side of the football now. You know, some of your studs, some of the guys that, you know, you're not just playing cornerback because you can't catch. You're playing cornerback because somebody said you're the best athlete out there to guard those other right. guys running around. Yeah. So let me put you there. I love it. 410-583-1057 is the number. Shovels at 815. Commissions Baltimore at 8 o'clock. But on the other side, Terps with a tough loss last night at home. Chris Knocky saw it up close and personal. One of the magnificent voices of the Maryland Terps you hear right here on 105.7 The Fan. He joins us up next right here on The Fan. I think I could be careful how I answer this question. Sometimes you see certain guys that you have and, and you know it's going to be a long night. So I thought that, you know, you sent a team 31 times to the free throw line. It's going to be a long night for you. You know what? <laughs> I hate to say that. And I don't know how long you coach high school ball, Jeremy. But there, there's some refs <laughs> that I used to see. And it's funny because the better your team gets, the less you see those refs. You know, mm-hmm. only get the good refs now. <laughs> you only get the best of the best now. But then sometimes you see, that was Kevin Willett. You see these refs, you just roll your eyes thinking, 
Oh my gosh. You hold on. Uphill battle. You ever meet a ref before the game and then you're talking to him and he's like, Oh man, listen to the show all the time and then he starts doing the game and you're like, Damn. <laughs> I don't want to talk to no. <laughs> I don't know how nice I can be after this game. <laughs> Join us right now. Color commentator for Maryland Terps. You can hear him right here on one oh five seven the fan. He is Chris Naki, courtesy uh, of the uh uh, of the hotline, WGK Long Guest Hotline. What's going on, man? What's going on, fellas? Nothing much. Maryland last night, seven point loss to uh, Northwest Wild Northwestern Wildcats. This team is they won their twentieth game of the year, eleventh in the conference. They're a good basketball team, uh, but Maryland just couldn't get the ball in the hoops from beyond the arc last night, shooting nine percent. I mean, it was kind of a variation on a theme, Rob. You know, obviously, Maryland coming into that game 28, 29% from three for the year. Uh, so we've certainly seen those games before, but two for 22. I mean, you could you could drop kick two for 22 in. <laughs> and, and, and a bunch of those were good looks. You know, they were open shots uh, that you think – uh, you know, power five players make, uh, and even if, you know, if you looking at it just mathematically, if you just shoot your percentage, which is not great, 28, yep. 29%, if you just shoot your percentage, you probably win that basketball game. But, uh, I credit Northwestern, I guess, you know, they, they, came, <laughs> they came in and, and, uh, had a great win. They were undermanned and, uh, you know, it's just dis- disappointing. It felt like you guys have seen the results for the week. You know, the the win at Rutgers and and then the loss last night sort of feels to me like one step up and two steps back, which is which is disappointing this time of the year. And he said, "Credit them, I guess." <laughs> I, I heard in his voice. I listened. I listened to the game. Was, I was in the car and I heard his, the broadcast last night. I was like, "Yeah." That was basically what it sounded like. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I you mentioned how the shooting was horrific, the three point shooting. You know, nine percent is just god awful. So the question is, I guess, when everything's rimming out of the hoop, like, is there a time we just you, you don't do that anymore because it's not yeah. sick? <laughs> I'm seriously like, do we just say stop it? Like, do you, this isn't working tonight. Like, why keep doing it? Yeah, put it in your back pocket. But, you know, it's the way the game is played this year, or not this year, these days. And uh, uh, sadly, you know, you, and, and all these guys are, you know, confident, well, for the most part, confident, you know, high-level players. And as such, almost by definition, you know, you think, my next shot's in. my next, And that's kind of the way you have to think if you're a scorer or a shooter that uh, I may have missed five in a row, but that just – tells me I'm due to make the next two or three in a row, you know. So uh, I, I don't know. You know, it's, it, shot selection is one of those things that if you harp on it as a coach, um, yeah, obviously it's very, very important. But if you harp on it as a coach, you kind of get these guys self-conscious. You want them to play yeah. sort of free of thought, if that makes any any sense to you. And uh, I, I, I'm not in practice with this particular group. So I, I think Kevin is far more focused. Kevin Willard far more focused on what he's seen on the defensive end, and he lets these guys, you know, he gives them pretty free reign offensively. They had a bunch of good shots, good open looks. They're, they just aren't making them at all. What do you make of the Terps' defense this year? You know, a lot of times you'll see teams that play, I don't want to say an uglier game, but a slowed down pace, and you're not pushing the tempo. We don't see these SEC teams scoring 100 points. It's not like we expect that. If Maryland scored 100 points, we'd ask over how many games did that add up to be that? You know, like... <laughs> And I'm not trying to knock him. It's just a different style. But 
Um, what are your thoughts on it when we see just the way that offenses are in college? Because it feels like everything's geared toward the offense, but I really believe the Terps play good team defense. They do. Uh, and, and, you know, offenses in college are really sort of homogenous now. They all look alike. Yeah. And, and that's why when you see one that is different, uh, you know, you're like, wow, that's, uh, you know, I haven't seen that before. And you get a lot of high pick and rolls. Uh, you know, uh, you know, sort of roll and replace kind of offenses, and and they all look very, very similar. Um, so, uh, and that's why too. Like getting back to my point, you know, I, you watch a team like Iowa play, and Iowa scores eighty five or eighty six a game. Um, you know, Alabama's scoring eighty five, eighty six a game as all, as is Auburn. You know, they push the pace. There are a lot of possessions in those games. Uh, Maryland, not so. You know, it's pretty close to the vest. One of the reasons why. Uh, they do have such outstanding defensive numbers is because the pace of the games are, are relatively slow. Uh, there just aren't that many possessions in the game, and uh, and they benefit from it as a result. But they've been a good defensive team all year long, no question. Yes, they have. Chris Naki, thanks for getting up early in the morning with us, my friend. We look forward to hearing you the next game. Uh, anytime, guys. Talk right, to thanks. You. Thanks, Chris. 410-583-1057 is the number. He was not happy. Oh, last I was – Hoping he was on today because it was, you could hear the frustration in his voice. It's calling a game. He's like, "Yeah, no." Well, it's like, well, there's there's something that I, you know I wanted to bring up, and we could have talked about it with Chris. But like Allen Iverson had a comment earlier saying that if he played in today's NBA, uh, he would average over forty points a game. Like he'd average forty two points a game, and people are like, "Oh, that's ridiculous." the The game has vastly changed, especially at the professional level, mm-hmm. because. I mean, you look at the scores that we're having now. Like that, That's why when I argued with people about Larry Bird all the time, if he played today, he'd average a triple-double. Like He would destroy this league. The way that they yeah. play defense, what you're allowed to do, what you can't do. And I feel the same way with Allen Iverson where the, everything's spread out now. This is Back then, I mean, you'd run some pick and rolls, but how much are we seeing five out now, Rob? Yeah. And what would Allen Iverson do in a five-out league? He would annihilate it. If you have no rim protection with that cat, yeah. so like when people get some of this stuff twisted, today's game is easier to play. There are better players, but I don't know. Again, comparing errors makes it difficult. But I don't think what Allen Iverson said was ridiculous. It makes it difficult, but it doesn't make it impossible, man. I mean, I, I, Larry Bird averaging a triple double. You saw Russell Westbrook do it, right? Yep. yep. I, mean, I don't. I don't know why that's so ridiculous. I mean, Larry Bird was 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 that kind of player then. So now you get it with offenses are ramped up. It's like saying Dan Marino would throw for fifty five hundred yards every year now. And he probably would. He will every year fifty five hundred sure yards. Mark it down for it. he he did didn't he do five thousand in a league it was hard to throw. <laughs> so why would he not do it in a league that now caters to that? So I don't I don't think that's that's ridiculous. I mean, I, you know I think if you had guys like that like they were then playing now. I think the league the way it thinks now would really ramp up the offense. Can you imagine? Having those guys in the league now, they would really go off because the leagues would 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 cater to that. Mm-hmm. They want that. We didn't have all the legalized betting and fantasy sports back then, so the league wasn't profiting off of that. The league was profiting off of its toughness. But now that you profit off, I'm partner. I just said official sports book partner of the NBA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what I mean? they're partnering with yeah. them, so they they endorse that. They want that. So I think they would definitely do that. Because it would be to the benefit of the league for him to do that. See, and I, I think that's that's part of where we're at in this league now where people are expecting more and more and more. We're seeing, like, 
you know, the triple-double and how uh, how that used to be something. Russell Westbrook had one for the first time and averaged it for a season. Everybody's like, oh, my God, he's the MVP. And then he does it next year. It's like, well, did you guys create something where if he does it every year, he's got to win the MVP? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like what I talk about with Shohei Otani. As soon as you give him the MVP for the pitching and hitting, you've created that benchmark where it's like, can you be better than this? Yeah. Because if he's doing it and he's healthy every year and he's playing well, how do you not give him the MVP almost every single season? Shovels at 815, but on the other side is Commissioner Baltimore. What you got, Eddie? I went over something that's a uh, a pet peeve of mine, I think of yours, and it's pissing a lot of people off, including some mayoral candidates. Commissioner Baltimore up next on the van. It's Commissioner Baltimore with Ed Norris. What you got going on, Eddie? Something that's really been bothering me for a long time. Um, and I think it's bothering other people now. Um, and it's shown because now that Fox 45 just did a piece on it and this has been in the news. Snow blindness and cats? Excuse me? Never mind. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, it's just, I, I just think they've got to rethink these freaking bike lanes. Wow. I mean, now it's like even Sheila Dixon is kind of, you know, waiting on this already as, as a mayor. Can't form a mayor and trying to get the top job again. She said, I think, I think we need to rethink where we place these. Um, other people who, you know, say they need to be removed. And I agree, man. It's like it get, what really gets me angry is like with all the problems we have here, all the problems, forget the violence we know about. Kids can't read and write here. You got a terrible education system that is, you know, you're you're basically sentencing the kids in this town to a lifetime of like low low expectations, low achievement because they can't, you know, do what you're supposed to be able to do, you know, at that age, which is like read and write the English language proficiently and and you know be educated on things. And so you're failing the kids. The crime is out of control. But you you encourage people to use bike lanes, and they tell you, not only are they doing this, but it's not because it's such a demand. Because they're not being utilized is the problem, and they're causing a lot of problems in the city. They say, well, as people get – this is the thinking. As people get more frustrated with the building traffic and the difficulty getting around, because that they're causing, they'll be more inclined to use bicycles. Mm-hmm. Oh! So we're going to make you miserable until you use bicycles now. <laughs> this is so stupid. So stupid, and it's dangerous. I don't know where, like, if you guys encounter this much out, you know, in the, oh. the county, but the city, you know how small the streets are. You make a turn on the, uh, say, like, from Webster and Ford or something or wherever, somewhere in Federal Hill, you have to turn almost into oncoming traffic to make a right or left turn because they have these plastic poles now yeah. that are forming a bike lane that is not utilized and you have to go around it and get into the you know your traffic lane, and you almost have you're going to head on traffic. Like, who, like who thinks of this stuff? Yeah, when I was in Germany, like we we were like where the bike lanes they had like on the sidewalks and different things. Yeah, like I, you had to realize when you were walking that you were in the bike lane. People would ring their bell like, "Hey, get out!" of You know, they yeah. something to me in German, but like, yeah. get out of the lane basically. And you had to realize it. I don't know what the deal is now when when there are bike lanes that. People on bikes don't want to use them. They still want to drive in the street or ride in the street. Yeah, I know. That's the gets me. Use your bike lane. How you driving the street though? I don't know. But like the Ed thing, you know, last time I think we were coming down to um, coming down to have lunch with you, or I don't know if, if I remember if I was going down the city limits or whatever. Like, I the same thing you're talking about. I see those bike lanes with all those plastic. Pe- I'm like, what the hell is that? Where do I turn? Who's supposed to be there? Yeah, I, and why are we doing this? Who? Because you, you want to ask, like, who clamored for this? Exactly. Who begged you to do this? Yeah. Because a lot of people are complaining about it. 
and frankly, and I'm sure you know, I can't say I know because it's just my you know sample size of people that I know. But they hate it. They hate it. And like people now running for mayor, like Sheila and, and others, have said like we need to rethink this. I agree. Like this is a city with a whole lot of problems. Whole lot of problems. Your businesses fleeing you downtown. The the pavilions are empty on Light and Pratt Street. The gallery's empty. And you know, but but you can take your bicycle now if you want because they're not utilizing. It's like it's just really stupid. Now the whole bike thing. Like, um, you have friends that ride bikes and do yeah. the stuff outside. Like, do, do they? Go I do. And, you ride your bike down in the city. Yeah. I know you do in Florida. Do you? No, do I have one too? up here too. Okay. Yeah. I just don't. I don't see enough people. Well, out I do like, where where it's emptier. Like, you know, out where I, I'll go through Fort McHenry because it's beautiful. You just ride through the fort and you can see the water. And, you know, there's just a lot of people on roller skates and bicycles and see, stuff. I brought up my situation here. It's a, it's a little bit different than yours, but under the same. Because in, in Glen Burnie, going down near the airport, they have all those areas like bike paths and all the things. When I come out of my neighborhood, there's trees in one way, like here. So you can't see the cars that are coming down the road. So you have to pull up further into where that crosswalk is. To see which cars are coming down from the left, people just drive in that bike path. They just come right out from the bike path underneath, whoop, up, going right across the road without paying attention. And you see it when you're turning, when you're like, it's. I get it from Ed's standpoint. We have a, a different situation uh, by the airport and near Glen Burnie, but mm-hmm. um, still, it's problematic. Is that that long bike path near the airport, though? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's I mean, a, that's what I'm saying. There's that's like, a nice thing. right near my house where like the Dorsey Road basketball yeah. courts and all the that skate park. Like there's there's some great like bike lanes back there. Yeah. And, and people ride them all the time. But I still see people that end. They go on those lanes. And then when they get up near towards the airport, they want to get out in the street. They don't want to be on the sidewalk. They don't want to be in the bike lane. Hey, Donald in Parkville wants to chime in on this. True. What's up, Donald? Hello. How you guys doing? Doing well. Good. How are you? Good. Great. So, listen, I think one of the craziest notions is that you haven't considered that when the weather is inclement and you have emergency vehicles that need to plow the roads, they aren't able to really access those roads because there isn't enough room for them to do their job. You know, there's potholes everywhere, there's speed cameras and red light cameras, but yet there's an emphasis on trying to address a very small portion of Baltimore's population, and you create a congestion that are outrageous, especially off of Sesame Street. So I just want to make that comment, guys. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it, Donald. Didn't think about that. <laughs> no, it's fact because that's been another complaint about emergency vehicles. Yeah, um, somebody sent me said that the, I guess there's a Facebook page, Bike More, an unofficial public forum for bikers, and said that here's your special interest group around the bike lanes. So they sent it to you too. Well, there are because it's a special interest group just bicycling in general. And don't get me started on this whole Falls Road corridor. <laughs> well, you know, you get stuck behind all these bicyclists and you can't, oh. you, you have to do 15 miles an hour God, because I, I, got, like, I got so pissed off the other day coming up Falls Road and the person was off the road. The person riding the bike was off the road and then the car refused to go around them because they were so worried they were going to hit them. It's like anything else in, in our society, especially our community. If you have. The right people wanting something, complaining about something, they get what they want. Yeah. And that's what you have with this bike society. Yes. You know, you get the yeah. right people complaining about yeah. it. They're organized. They got that. Yeah. It's a you know, small group of people. They're organized. Influence and, and, and some money. You know, that's what they get. Let's go to Jeff in Baltimore. What's up, Jeff? Hey, guys. Hey, hey this subject that you're talking about, I tried to argue with, uh, with downtown, with the city. They're putting all these plastic uh, the you poles. Know, poles up yeah. and stuff. 
And what ends up happening, once they get hit and knocked down, they become road hazards. They're sharp, and after about a month or two, they're ugly as heck. They get all whacked up. They look terrible. They're all dirty. Shiny yeah. the first couple of weeks. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's sort of amazing. But as far as who, who sort of pushed for it, when I was asking downtown and calling, I said, who, who, who comes up with this? Well, I heard Ryan Dorsey was a big proponent because he's a bike rider. I've yet to see Ryan Dorsey or anybody going up hard for road on a bike on one of the, yeah. you know, in the lane. So it, I can see free. that. Yeah. Hey, thanks a lot, yeah. Jeff. Appreciate that. Yeah, that's who I got. The message I got was about Ryan Dorsey as well. Did you really? Yeah, I can yeah. see it, though. Yeah. yeah. Let's take one more. Baltimore. Marcus. What's up, Marcus? Hey, what's going on, guys? Hanging in there, man. What's going on with you? So I'm good. So uh, I played basketball in Fort McHenry just about, like, during the summertime. And like, dude, like, yeah, it's right. Like down there, like those, it's narrow, narrow streets, and the bike lanes are right there. And like every time, like you got to stop. There's also the school that's sitting right there. I'm always afraid I'm gonna hit somebody, because like the bike lane is like right there in the street. And I, and I kept thinking the first time I ever seen it was like, whose bright idea was this? Like seriously, like of all the things that we had wrong in our city, like somebody was like, yeah. Let's do bike lanes because that fixes everything. Like, it's like, like, it's, it's like, like, why, why do we keep doing this? Like, we keep coming up with these unnecessary excuses or unnecessary things to fix Baltimore when crime is still bad, yep. downtown still dying, and it's just and it's and it's sad to see where it's going. But that's just my comment. Y'all have a good day. You too, Marcus. Have a good day, man. Four ten five eight three one zero five seven is the number. This is one of those things where we didn't get it, but I would love to have people here who are in favor of it. You know, I, honestly, because somebody's got to be in favor of it. Somebody's Somebody. definitely got to be in favor of it, yeah. You I, got have a, more? I have a friend that rides his bike. He doesn't have a car. He lives in the city. He rides his bike. Uh-huh. And he actually got hit by a car on a street that didn't have bike lanes. Well, that, this is the problem, though. Yeah, that it's also dangerous. He Well, but and, again, he's like, I can't afford a car. He, he can bike everywhere. And then he got hit by a car but on a street that didn't have bike lanes. But then one time he was riding his bike on the sidewalk. And a cop got mad at him and said, you're not allowed to ride, ride your bike on the sidewalk. What about a Vespa? Maybe he needs a Vespa. <laughs> well, the, well, the problem is, though, they found bike lanes didn't make it any safer. The ones that made it safe when there was an actual barrier between the traffic and the bike, bike lane. Just having the poles or having a stripe did nothing. It's still dangerous for people. It is weird, though, because like there are people that ride their bikes and they want somewhere to go and enjoy it. But, like... I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not riding my bike. That turns into a you problem. That feels like yeah. a small minority that, you know, like, and I'm you not. You can't afford a car. Well, what do you, you can't afford a car? I I can. I have a car, but I know people that can't. But how do you afford a bike? Use your feet. Walk. <laughs> okay. Put your thumb out. You, if you thumb? buy a Huffy. It's a lot different than a Subaru. Morgan State University is celebrating some community <laughs> leaders this weekend. Glennie Moore will uh, be here to talk about that at 830. But on the other side, Ed Norris, you got a shovel for us? I do. It's uh, to a serial killer who actually lives up to the name. If you have a shovel, give us a call. Give us a text, 410-583-1057. A murderer. Hit us up on Twitter, at BBMS1057. The fan. Shovel's next. It's time to give out shovels. If you have one, give us a call. Give us a text, 410-583-1057. Hit us up on Twitter, at BBMS1057. The fan. Ed Norris, who gets your shovel? A serial killer who actually lives up to the name. Kind of an odd story. What did he kill the tricks rabbit and uh, you know Lucky Charms? The getting warm. Oh, am I? Yeah, killed Tony the Tiger. You're getting warm. No, dig him smacks. He killed his wife. He spiked a cereal with heroin. Ah, oh. 
You're supposed to put sugar on it, I think. Like if you get He killed it with cereal. Hence cereal killer. He so did. Did seriously. it say what kind of cereal it was? No. Just okay. said he made her a bowl of cereal, and then she was really sick and went to bed, and then they initially thought it was an overdose, but somehow they came up after the investigation. He collected $120,000 in life insurance. I think the fact that he called the insurance what? company hours after she was pronounced dead. <laughs> you killed somebody for $120,000? And when he was moved, it was new. His, apparently, he had a girlfriend on the side, yeah. Man. Yeah. But I mean, they had children, and it's crazy. It just it's crazy, absolutely yeah, I crazy. Mean, you kill nobody for any money, but one hundred twenty thousand dollars. I'm with you. It was a ten million dollar policy. I don't know. One hundred twenty thousand dollars. But all right, so let's think about the process here. Put heroin in her cereal. Mm-hmm. How did they find out then? Because like, wouldn't couldn't you just say that she she overdosed or but, something? Did I they, just said that it was the initial finding. What that she overdosed. Okay, so like, how do they find out then? But if they had, a, if they had a, yeah. some kind of idea, trust me, they keep putting the screws to you. Yeah, your story starts falling well, no, apart. So what I said, because what I just said is one of the ways they kind of figured it out. The fact is, right after she's pronounced dead, within hours, that's what. Okay, he's yeah. on the phone with the insurance yeah. company asking how to collect. Well, how does that work? Do they mail a check, or is it just deposited right in your bank? Uh, I to my wife. To <laughs> Jeremy, yeah. who gets who gets your shovel, Jeremy? Um, yeah. My joke. shovel go. My shovel. My shovel goes to swimming. Huh? Yeah. Like, listen to this. NC State swimmer Owen Lloyd was stripped after the title after celebrating with a teammate. It's the dumbest thing. At North Carolina State, the swimmer was stripped of his title Saturday night after he celebrated with his teammates who blasted the controversial technicality as the dumbest thing in swimming. Owen Lloyd, an American, all-American senior, finished in the 1650-yard, 1650-yard freestyle at the ACC Swimming and Diving Championships. He touched the wall, won the contest, not even close. Lloyd's teammate, Ross Dant, finished the race just seconds later in second place. They both finished. He reached over to pat you know, his teammate on the shoulder. Yeah. And touched him because the other racers hadn't finished. He was deemed to have uh, made an illegal contact, and then they they disqualified him. He interfered with another swimmer who had already finished swimming, and they deemed that to be illegal contact, and he was disqualified. And the guy he touched mm-hmm. now wins. So he went off in the post, uh, like I don't say post game, post race, and said, "This is stupid. He won. He beat he beat everybody. He won." That's really stupid. And I, I don't know how you like. We we've dealt with this where it's okay now. They're figuring things out. Uh, you know, women transitioning into men, which we don't hear much about, but men transitioning to women playing in collegiate sports, yeah. we hear about it all the time. And then now you're going to disqualify a guy for touching his teammate after they both finished. Yeah. I mean, that's a stupid technicality, right? It's it dumb. is. That's dumb. Uh, you guys heard about the uh, Chiefsaholic? Yes. Fan, uh, I think it's Xavier Babbitt. Babudar, Sounds 29 good years old, arrested for bank robbery. Um, he's in court now. He's convicted. Act no, he's he's convicted. He found guilty, but they haven't given him sentence him yet. He could face up to 50 years in jail. Well, his lawyer, this is Matthew Merriman, gets the shovel for this right here. From the beginning of this case, folks, the government has been blitzing, and Xavier's pocket was collapsing. But today, Xavier stepped into the pressure. He took responsibility for his actions. He stood up in court, humble and repentant, and admitted what he had done. Now, 
If I know anything about Xavier, and if the Chief's Kingdom knows anything about Chief Zaholic, <laughs> we know that he doesn't give up. We know that if he stumbled and he fell, he didn't let his knee touch the ground. Yeah, yeah, he said that. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is this? <laughs> That's what his lawyer said afterwards. Bro, You're kidding me. The only, no. The no. only thing this is missing is either him starting a slow clap or chanting MVP. This is a guy who stole <laughs> nearly $700,000 across five banks in Iowa, Nebraska, and Tennessee. Throughout 2022. And you're sitting here. He, he'll he do a great thing. He attempted a bank robbery in Minnesota. And but also he can support his football fandom. But upon further review, his knee never touched the ground, playboy. <laughs> I mean, this isn't like someone had a stumble in life. No, 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 no. They had it. They, they drove impaired. They hit a, a car. Or they they had one bad incident. They had a five. punch somebody in the face. He's sticking up banks for a living. Five times. Yeah. Five times. That, five times. This lawyer makes it sound like he missed the game-winning layup. But exactly. But get him down, guys. Exactly. Don't worry. He'll be out robbing be, more banks. He's got a short memory. He'll be back. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Let's go to Parkville. Woody has a shovel. What's up, Woody? Hey, what's up, R.E.J.? Go on, man. Man, my wife want to give a shout out, but she too shy to say. But it's about these bike lanes, man. They've been driving her crazy. Mm. She's been working downtown for years, and now these bike lanes, even though she retired now, they they still driving her crazy because now they moved them up everywhere. So the sho- yeah, your shovel goes to bike lanes. Yes, man, to bike lanes. All right, Woody, have a good one, my man. Who likes them? I don't know. Everybody I know complains about them. I'm not even sure the people that ride bikes like them because their asses are still in the street. <laughs> uh, update from the yard at 845. We're going to Sarasota, Florida. Also, Sam Munson joins us from Pro Football Focus at 9. But on the other side, Glenny Moore, Morgan State University community specialist, talks about the uh, community, uh, celebrate community leaders. We continue celebrating Black History Month right here on The Fan. 8.31 in the a.m., Baltimore's Big Bad Morning Show on the fan. Ed Norse, Rob Long, Jeremy Kahn. Morgan State University is having a uh, community day. They're going to celebrate some community leaders on Saturday. Joining us right now, he's a community act, a specialist, I should say, for Morgan State Athletics, uh, Glenny Moore. Good morning to you, Glenny. Good morning, man. I got your Vikings brother texting me and calling me. <laughs> You're going to be on with Rob Long. I said, yeah. I just missed you a few years. I think you played in 86, 80, uh, uh, 87, 88. Am I correct, Rob? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And we now, just missed out Matthew Steeple, Morgan State Hall of Famer. You played with those guys, so yeah. I'm excited to be on, man. Absolutely. Now, now you, you you mentioned that. Now you're, before we get into what you guys are doing at Morgan uh, this weekend, you enjoyed a great career also. Started off as a walk-on at Morgan, ended up as a Hall of Famer. Tell us a little bit about that first. Listen, I've been doing a radio run this week and just telling my story uh, with my humble backgrounds and starting off at Northwood Football uh, League, then going on to Merville High School. Again, Merville High School, not a college preparatory school, had no no thoughts of playing college football. Went over to Morgan. If you remember, Baltimore City remember the great Nathan Ash from Dunbar yeah. High School. Yeah, I remember him. He, he chose. He was recruited by all the top schools, and he chose Morgan State. So I said, well, I'm going to choose Morgan State. 
Um, I walked on in the spring and earned my scholarship. wasn't given to me. I earned it. And um, from that point on, went on to my rookie year, making all MEAC, one of the first rookies in, in um, MEAC history, as well as Morgan State history, to make all MEAC unanimously my first year, moving on to the next year in 89 and, and making all MEAC and preseason All-American. So a great career, a Baltimore kid, Northwood, Mervo, on to Morgan State University. Cool. Sounds awesome. Hey, what about the community leaders that we're celebrating here for, um, you know, to honor this month? Uh, like one of the first ones I was reading was Wesley Hawkins with his No Leader Project. Listen, I, I was so good. Listen, uh, Ed, I, I saw the news clip that uh, Wesley saved uh, a driver from a vehicle on the Beltway a few weeks ago. So I reached out to the kid and, uh, to see um, what was the story all about. So um, he saved the guy, but I didn't know his background with the No Leader Project. He's doing great things already in the Baltimore community. So I wanted, I said I wanted to celebrate you, man, in front of a bunch of people. You are one of the heroes in the community. Also, I know you guys are familiar with Marty McNair and the Jordan Foundation. We're going to celebrate him as well. I know you guys know Charles Chu Smith and all the things he's doing in the Baltimore community. I got uh, Saron Fawcett of the Aziza Profit, nonprofit organization. So I got a bunch of uh, community leaders coming out so that the community can come out and celebrate this Saturday, March 2nd, at Community Day, Morgan State Athletics. Um, We also feature in the game with South Carolina State. The women play at 2 o'clock p.m. The men play at 4.30 p.m. The magnificent marching machine, the HBCU environment. So I'm excited, man. What does this mean to you to be involved with something like this? I mean, obviously being uh, nominated for the, the Hall of Fame, but with all these people that are doing so many good things in the community. Well, Morgan State Athletics, they came to me intentionally, intentionally to say we want to connect with the community. So they reached out to me and they um, asked me to put some things together and reach out to faith-based programs. And then I thank you guys because we want a diverse audience. Um, We want not just uh, the culture in the city. We want the county and, as I said, the faith-based programs and and everybody to come out. So I've been promoting to the youth. Listen, I grew up right down the street from Morgan State. I heard the band from my backyard. Every child in that radius should be inspired to see what Morgan State it's all about, whether it's athletics on or off the field. So we're excited to celebrate and give this exposure. One more thing, we invited high schools to come out. We have high school bands that's going to play with our band. We have high school cheerleaders that's going to cheer with our cheerleaders. Can you imagine the impact that's going to have on those young people and inspire them for the future? So Community Day, Community Day is going to be special this Saturday, March 2nd. Glennie Moore joins us. Uh, cool. We know the basketball game, the women's game begins at 2, men's game at 4.30. What time do the festivities begin? Festivities begin once again at 2 o'clock. Um, as soon as you enter that door, um, from Benny the Bear, uh, from the DJ playing music, he's going to play from hip-hop to R&B to gospel, and, of course, you know the frats, the sororities, just all these things going on at one time. I want to celebrate our great president, uh, President uh, David Wilson, as well as our um, new athletic director, relatively new, uh, uh, Dina uh, Freeman-Patton. So we're excited about the new le- leadership and the direction Morgan State Athletics is going. And, um, again, 
we're connected with the community. We're connected, connected with the community. I think the fame, because you guys got the number one fame. Your fan engagement on this radio show is just incredible. When I hear you guys, I just enjoy the embracement of the, fan, uh, of the fans, and that's what we're trying to do at Morgan State University. There he is, Glennie Moore, community specialist, Morgan State University Athletics. Glennie, thanks a lot, my friend. God bless you, my brother. All right, have a good one. 410-583-1057. That's the number. Baltimore's Big Bad Morning Show on Fan. Glennie's got a lot of energy, man. Ooh, sure does. <laughs> He's got a lot of energy. Love it. Uh, Antonio from Rosedale has been waiting patiently. What's up, Antonio? Good morning. Good morning, morning. sir. How are you? Good. How you guys doing? Doing well. Doing well. Happy Friday, Matt. Happy Friday, Pep. I had a good trip in Florida. Good. How could the the Orioles most recent pickup Julio, Tehran, and Colton Wong fit into their 2024 season plans, and you guys have a wonderful day. You have a wonderful day, too. We were talking about this during the break. I think the great thing about the Baltimore Orioles is this. Those guys have minor league contracts. You know, four or five years ago, a move like this would have been sold as the answer to the rotation or the answer at second base, and it's not. It's it's more of a, Jeremy, hey, Prove that you can make it. Mm-hmm. You, know, you got to prove yourself. We may not even want you or need you. We just let you. We're gonna kick the tires on you. And I think that's that, that to me shows the tremendous progress of this organization. Not only the fact that they're giving these guys minor league deals, Colton Wong, two-time Gold Glove winner, but also because these guys are willing to sign here for the minor league deal for a chance to win. Well, and I, I actually like. Look, I'm not a fan of the. Tehran signing. I've I've already stated that because I I just don't think there's anything left. But it's a yeah. it's a can't, you, you didn't give him anything. No, you didn't promise him anything. So I'm not arguing that. Colton Wong was a guy that um, what beloved in St. Louis and Milwaukee and has bounced around and just hasn't hasn't found it again. And maybe there's a chance. It, like he's a guy that that had a well, good left handed bat, decent stick, could steal mm-hmm. some bases. Wasn't terrible defensively. Um, you know, was a good decent defender. So I, I was more interested in two time Gold Glove winner. Yeah. I was more interested in a player like that than than Tehran from what I saw last year. But, um, yeah, look, I mean, the Orioles now are in a position where they don't have to. You said it about uh, Colton Wong. Like, a couple years ago, this was the stopgap for us. And now you're just inviting him, and you may not even use him. Right. What if he accepts a minor league assignment, and you look up and it's June, and you got someone on the IL for a little while, and you go get Colton Wong? Mm Mm-hmm. You feel much better to play then. for you for three, four weeks. Yeah, I mean that's that's. I, I like the move. I, I just it's to me it's more proof that the Orioles have have uh, have evolved. Four ten five eight three one zero five seven is the number. Sam Munson from Pro Football Focus joins us at nine o'clock. Program reminder: Daily Line will be at nine fifteen. Encore at nine thirty because Kevin Willard would join us at nine forty five. But on the other side, we take a trip to Sarasota. Update from the yard on the fan next. Dean Kramer, 13-5 and five a year ago, an ERA just north of four. Payoff pitch. Swung on and missed. He struck him out. It was a changeup to Matt Walner. As a breaking ball hit high in the air, deep left field for Walner at the base of the wall, leaping, and it's gone up onto the berm home run. Ramon Urias, two-run blast to left. This ball hit high in the air to deep center field. Rodriguez, base of the wall. It's not coming back. And the tattoo parlor is open again. That's a three-run homer for Colton Kowser. Yeah, I don't get it. 
What? The tattoo parlor thing. Explain <laughs> that to me, man. I I want to be cool. I guess he means tattoo the ball. <laughs> the tattoo parlor is over. That's courtesy of TIBN, Twins Network. Uh, Orioles all over. No wonder he sounded so vanilla. I'm sorry. Thank <laughs> you. Like he's not very excited. Oh. No. That Midwestern vibe. By the way, today's Tattoo game. parlor is open again. 105 will be on MLB.com. I'm going to go home and get a casserole after this game. <laughs> that guy there with a the tattoo. Did you see what he did with the true coat? Oh, my goodness. You sound like you belong on, uh, what's that show? Fargo. Fargo, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The guy got a casserole. I love watching that just because of that. Yeah. The, the, the accents. I told you, I like the Chicago accent where the guy's like, you know, the look. That guy over there. And we, we had the guy on that grew up with uh, Muhammad Ali, and he would always go, yeah, see, people would look at us differently because I was a white and he was a black. <laughs> and I'm like, a black? What's a black? Did <laughs> Ali grow up in Kentucky? <laughs> Whatever. They were they were childhood friends. He wrote the really? book on Ali. Uh, mm. Ali, yeah. Well. But the guy uh, uh, was from Chicago. Yep. Burr's getting it done. Uh, Colton Cowles in his second home run of spring training. You know, we keep talking about when Jackson Holiday is going to come up, Ed. Colton Cows is making a push, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think people forget about guys like Cows because, you know, Holiday gets so much ink and, and national press and, and things like that. But there's a lot of, you know, there's some really good young guys coming up. Well, today's some appointment setting if you are a baseball fan because Paul Skeens versus Jackson Holiday, mm-hmm. uh, the potential of seeing that today um, as the two number one overall picks from the past two years will face off. A lot of excitement, man. I mean, you know, Arias going deep. But, you know, you got these young guys like Kowser and other guys starting to push these veterans. That's what you want. Nothing like having competition within the organization, Jeremy. Well, I think one of the questions we had yesterday when we were discussing was, like, where are the Orioles weak? Like, where where can they improve? And I, and I think that's the easy answer. But, like, realistically, could those guys come out and could – you know, like we were talking about Craig Kimbrell, and I said, uh, mm-hmm. if Craig Kimbrell went to the Blue Jays, I think Oriole fans would go, I'm not worried about him. He's not, he doesn't scare me. But because you get him, you you look at him in a different light. I still think he's very good, but I have questions of whether or not it's going to hold up at the back end. I think he was the best of what was available. No, no, well, yeah. for that price, because you but, still had Josh Hader out there, you still had right. some other names that were out there. Well, but you also got to factor in Felix Batista coming, coming back. back. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the, Josh Hader wasn't available because. He, they didn't have a multi-year need. It didn't make position. sense. Yeah. 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 But he's not Batista. No. You know, he's just not now. No, Who's he's, that? He's Craig. Craig Kimbrell. Oh, no. No. Yeah. Um, there's some other guys. I would say Liam Neeson, Liam Hendricks, and you know, some other closes out there that Hater and Hendricks and guys like I will that. find you, and I will strike you out. <laughs> and the Orioles had a lot of one-run wins last year where, you know, Batista would come in, and it was like, dude. Yeah. Your heart was pounding, not only because of his introduction, but your heart was pounding because... It was that three-letter word that Ed uses from New York. What's that? O-V-A. It Ova. Ova. <laughs> Once Felix Batista came in the game, you knew what was up. It was it's the same, Yeah. It's the same thing like when Britain came in. Like when Britain gave up a, a or blew a save, it was a duck snort. Uh, you know, a dribble off the I bat. once saw Zach yeah. Britton blow a save against the Boston Red Sox. The ball didn't leave the infield. The ball didn't leave the infield, Jeremy. Yep. Yep. The ball never left the infield. And it was a blown save. It was a blown save. They it's tied just, the game. They came back, mm-hmm. I think, won it. But they tied the game, and the ball never left the infield. 
those things happen. But I, I would say that too, like looking at the Orioles, like sometimes bullpens can be cyclical where you look at a guy and you're like, oh my God, he was terrible last year. And then he comes back. Like I, I brought up CNL Perez. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we watched him the one year going, oh my God, he's amazing. And then last year for a good portion, it's like, are they going to DFA him? And then Dylan Tate, Tate, you know, you look at some of these guys that are back and I, you know, they, they have a huge upside or a high upside if you want to look at it that way and, and what they could get from it. But I think year in and year out, bullpens are the one thing that you can always look at and go, can we improve anywhere there? And the good thing about the trade deadline is most teams that are out of it are willing to move those arms yeah. uh, to help teams out. 410-583-1057, that's the number. Baltimore's Big Bad Morning Show on the fan. Uh, Ed, I know you like a lot of these veterans. You've grown attached to them because we saw these guys when they were young. We were going to spring training because yeah. we used to go before we got Jeremy. Yeah. But – there's uh, that. Are you like kind of excited to see these young guys come up, especially the young outfielders? But at the same time, oh well, wait a minute. That means some of my favorite guys might be leaving. Yeah, like the, whole, feel that the whole outfield. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's some of my favorite guys. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to these guys coming up because it's exciting. I want to see what we have. Um, some of these, some of the guys that are coming up through the, the Orioles farm system, they may be perennial all stars. I mean, they've got that kind of talent, so I'm really excited to see who we have. But I will if you know if a move was made and Cedric was gone or Hayes, I'd miss him. I think Santander is pretty safe for a lot of reasons, but you know because he's power hitting switch hitter. But other than that, I mean, I can see the other guys getting moved on. Yeah. But if they're not getting, so the other thing we talked about was like if they're not getting moved on, you talk about all the different areas you can improve, and this is something we were saying in the off season, like right, what types of trades, mm-hmm. what types of moves could you make to make your team better. The other area would be first base, um, depending on what you think about Mountcastle. And I know how much people here love him. I know you love him. But, like, what if you move Santander to first base? Could he pick that up and play that on a full-time basis uh, and plug in one of the outfielders? I mean, there's there's options here. I'm thinking right now, Ed, could, if I go forward, would I make it across the table to Superman punch him? I don't know if I, I actually will make you it. You making it. I don't know if I make it across there. Man, feeling froggy leap. I ain't got anywhere I can go. I love Mountcastle, man. <laughs> you can love. Mike. You've been hanging with. You've been hanging with Rashawn too long. No, Rashawn hates Ryan Mountcastle. No, I don't. I don't dislike Ryan Mountcastle at all. I think the hard part is honestly taking a look at your team and seeing where you can get better. Mm-hmm. You want to trade Mullins? I want to talk about it. Why don't you tell Ed you want to trade Mullins? Go ahead. Why don't you tell Mullins you want to trade Mullins? How you feel about that one? <laughs> huh? How you feel, Froggy? Go ahead. Rib it, bitch. Leap. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to trade any of the guys, but I'm I'm taking an honest look at this team and where can you get better? And they ain't win it all last year. Won't you tell Cedric (laughs) that you want to trade him? (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, damn it. Uh, first, first is tell Ed. No, no, no. Tell Cedric. Yeah. You'll see him. <laughs> tell Marcus <laughs> Peters. <laughs> Nobody wants that smoke. Exactly. <laughs> Daily line at 915. Encore 930. Why, folks? We got Kevin Willard at 945. But on the other side, we're talking some football with Sam Munson for Pro Football Focus right here on The Fan. 902 in the AM, Baltimore's Big Bad Morning Show on the fan. Ed Norris, Rob Long, Jeremy Kahn joining us right now, courtesy of the WGK Long Guest Hotline. From Pro Football Focus, he is our good friend Sam Munson. What's going on, Sam? Hey, how's it going, guys? 
Doing well. Now, we know you were at the Combine this week. I want to ask you a question that, that we, we asked a little bit earlier. Is it tougher to grade the quarterback position now with the way the position has morphed? I mean, before it was simple. God can stand in the pocket, make all the throws. It seems so much more complicated nowadays. I don't know if it's more complicated, but it certainly hasn't gotten any easier with the addition of all the extra information that everybody's got. Um, we've got more and more ways to measure quarterback play. We've got more ways to test them, to evaluate them, and it's still as hard as it's ever been. Um, it's still the most difficult position in the NFL to try and project, to try and get a handle on uh, transitioning to the next level. Well, keeping that line of thought, then, it, is that the reason? I, maybe it's because we're from this town, but Lamar Jackson's a two-time MVP now, and yet he gets so much criticism, even locally, about he's not a traditional quarterback, I don't like what I see, he's not a drop. Like, I, is that the reason people feel this way, because it's harder to gauge? I think that's part of it. I think we're also just living in this world where there is no middle ground. Everything's either great or it's terrible. Yeah. So if you're not of the opinion that he's, you know, the best quarterback in the NFL, a two-time MVP, like, you know, one of the best at the position, then you think he sucks. There's no <laughs> yeah. room for, for the middle ground there. Can I talk about the top end? Because it sounds like, um, you know, there have been rumors out about fields to the Falcons, and, and I feel like something's going to go down there. But do you agree with the that the Bears should trade or should trade fields and keep the top pick? Because I feel like that's the best route to take for them. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's not that Fields can't become a really good player still. It's just that at this point, the clock is ticking mm -hmm. on the money that he's going to be due. So he needs a really big step forward this year if you're going to even think about giving him the next contract. And they just don't know that's going to happen. It might, it might not, but it's much easier for them to take this unusual opportunity they have with the number one overall pick to just reset that clock. Um, and the further you go, I think, into this draft process, the more it's becoming a consensus that Caleb Williams is the clear number one guy. He is a really, really top prospect. So it's the right guy, I think, to reset that clock with and just go again and, and try and start over. Sam Watson joins us from Pro Football Focus. Sam, at the combine, is any is there a person or a particular group that you're looking forward to seeing? I'm really intrigued by the wide receivers this year. Um, it's a great group, again. It's been a great group of wide receivers for several years now, and a little bit unlike last season was a really good group as well, but they didn't really have the star power at the top. You know, we were debating between the top few guys last season, and none of them were sort of superstar level. This year you've got um, three sort of superstar level wide receivers at the top and other guys that could push themselves into the conversation with really good um pre-draft processes including the combine and then sort of how many of those guys going to be able to force their way into round one with maybe you know an exceptional uh, workout or, or other things I, what's your opinion of the combine in general as a as every like a scouting tool and what i'll point to things that just kind of have me a little confused like do we really care how many times a guy can bench 225 since, you know, everyone in the studio can outbench Orlando Brown Jr. And yet he's a left, he's a left tackle in the NFL. So, I mean, what, what are we doing here? I think generally the combine and really every step of the way for, for pre-draft stuff is it's about eliminating players, right? You have your list. You've got the entire prospect uh, group this season. And then whether it's the combine, whether it's interviews, whether it's uh, production in college, whether it's whatever it is, each step of the way, you're eliminating a group of players that you're saying, these guys don't meet the thresholds that we think uh, exist 
to be a good player in the NFL. And it's just not worth chasing exceptions because most of the time they're not exceptions. Most of the time they are going to follow the rules. And if they don't have those thresholds uh, for production or measurables or whatever, they're just not going to be quality players at the next level. So every step of the way, you're just eliminating a few guys. um, And there will be guys that have workout numbers that just don't tally with NFL caliber players. And you're going to just take them off your board. And it doesn't mean, again, like Orlando Brown with his terrible workout. You're going to get guys every now and again where it doesn't matter. But that's really what we're doing here. And generally, it's not about, you know, one thing. It's about putting together a kind of athletic uh, measurables composite for a player. Um, and, And teams are even adding to that beyond the combine, they're adding the player tracking data to college as well. They're sort of throwing it all into a hopper and they're creating one like overall athleticism metric or score for all these guys just to get a better gauge on how good of an athlete we're talking about. Hey, Sam, were you in Vegas uh, for the Super Bowl? Yes. Uh, I just want to make sure that the people in charge there weren't just sending Gordon out to the good things and sending you to Indiana to see the Circle Center Mall and maybe hit a white castle up. But, um, <laughs> you know, like as far as as far as the combine goes, do you feel like we look too much into what happens here than more so than what we have on tape? Because I always feel like, especially with the quarterback position, I don't know how many are going to go in the first round that teams, if, if the top two are definitely going to go off the board and you're in that range for that third quarterback that they convince themselves that it's the right guy to take all the time. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of times because it's televised, because you're seeing all these things and you know, when a guy runs a crazy fast 40 time, everybody focuses on that and it's, it's relevant. You know, it's, it's important information. If you were doing a tape study properly, you probably already knew that heading into this combine. So I think there's a tendency, certainly sort of outside buildings. I don't know that NFL teams do this as much as maybe they used to, but there's a tendency to kind of double count that stuff once you see it at the combine, right? Wow, this guy run a 4.25. Well, you almost certainly already knew he was really fast heading into the combine just because he showed it to you with a stopwatch shouldn't make you go, oh, wow, that's twice as important as it was three minutes ago. Um, but I think that's generally, you know, just a sort of hysterical way everybody reacts to that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it actually makes that big a difference once uh, NFL teams become involved. There he is, Sam Monson from PFF. Sam, tell everybody about Pro Football Focus. Yeah, PFF.com is where everything's going down. At the moment, you can use our uh, mock draft sim to draft all your uh, favorite players, whoever you want to do, fix your team. And I think 30MDS is a promo code to get you 30% off that. There you, go. there you go. Thanks a lot, my Thank friend. You, man. Thanks, Sam. Anytime, guys. Take it easy. All right, buddy. Four ten five eight three one zero five seven. Look at you looking out for Sam. Well, I just want to make sure, like, for people that haven't been to Indiana, ain't nothing to do there. Uh, that's, video and I went twice for that combine. And the worst part about it is you can't look at the combine. Yeah, Gordon McGinnis is what? there too. He you can't is. go in there doing a the combine. Gordo's in Indiana. <laughs> The rolling hills of Ireland. Really? <laughs> no, you had to be. You had to broadcast outside the room. You had to get the athletes. As they came out of the combine, yeah. you could, but you couldn't go in while they were performing. <laughs> Only NFL personnel. Yeah, I'm not when a fan was, of the When was that, Rob? When did you go? What year Ooh, was that? I want to say it may have been, I've been here, what, seven years? You're here about seven, eight years. Seven, so eight years, so that. probably 10, oh, 10 and 11 went, years ago. I thought you went with Vinny. Yeah, 10 and 11 years oh, ago. Oh, you mean, when you said you've been here, you've been here longer I've been, with Ed. Ed, yeah. Mm, yeah. I've been here since right today? 2011. What's up, honey? <laughs> you okay? <laughs> Is the show over? You said Encore at 930. Kevin Willard at 945, Jeremy Kahn.
Daily Lion, what's going on, man? Yeah, I hit my top play last night. Talked about the Mavs and the Raptors quite a bit. Uh, we'll tell you what we hit on, what we missed on. Uh, got the Tennessee game right. We'll get into that. And what you should be looking for tonight in the NBA, NHL, and college hoops right here on The Fan. The Big Bad Daily Line. Sponsored by the Green Turtle Bet Parks Sportsbooks. This postseason, bet in person at the Green Turtle Bet Parks Sportsbooks. With locations in Camden and Towson and enjoy the best in class sports wagering experience at their state-of-the-art facilities. Bringing an unmatched sports betting thrill. 105.7 The Fan. Three ticked at the dribble. Found an outlet in Washington. Back to Doncic. Fade away. <laughs> Luka hits the extremely difficult shot, drawing the foul as well. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that's courtesy of Valley Sports Southwest. As the uh, the Mavericks are on a tough road trip, they they drop their first two. They get a win last night. Love the over. It's my favorite play um, yesterday, and we hit it. Uh, kind of weird for me in the top plays though, as I went. I technically go two and three. Some of you may have gotten a better number on the Maryland game as I took the under as a top play last night. Uh, 228.5 is what I had. Finished at 229. That's with them hitting a three in each half. Just one. Just, just one three. Um, so, yeah, I had a couple other uh, games. Marquette, handle business. Um, Texas A&M was the one that got me. We talked about it with South Carolina. Tennessee, very fortunate. Minus seven and a half. Finished at eight. Um, and then the Kings Nuggets, no bueno there. It turned into a blowout. The Nuggets were up 25 in the fourth, so everybody sat after that. Um, and, you know, just looking at some of the games uh, from last night, one of the things about this Mavericks-Raptors uh, matchup that I found very interesting was just watching Kyrie. Like, who was it we were talking about that said Kyrie was uh, – Allen Iverson said Kyrie Irving was the best ball handler he's ever seen. Yeah. He had a couple moves last night that you and I coach basketball – you would never teach kids to do in traffic. Mm-hmm. You know, you tell them not to go behind your back in traffic. He's masterful. Like, he's, you could call him an idiot or some of the things he said, disagree with him. But from a basketball standpoint. He's special. It's beautiful. He's special. It's, I mean, mm-hmm. the ball's on a string. It's it's incredible to watch him play. He had a, he had a crossover in front of him that he brought back behind him, back between his legs, back behind him again. And when you watch the defender jump, jump, jump like this little hop skip trying to keep up with him and by the time it ends he somehow has wiggled his way to the elbow to knock down a jump shot where you have no chance to block You're it right. and it touches nothing it doesn't even touch the damn net like what what ticks me off about him is how great he could be if he wanted to be that great it's the whole Kanye thing right yeah I mean, isn't it? Yeah. Like, isn't it? Like, I'm not talking about from what they say. No, you mean from... A talent standpoint that your mouth is basically ruining a lot of other things or some of the things that you've done. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I saw something where somebody was like, should the Cavs retire his number? And I'm going, it's a bit much, but I don't know that he's going to get the recognition as the player that he deserves. He's not going to, because so. I think if you look at his career, as, as great as he was, he underachieved. Yeah. Some big underachievement there. But, you know, in last night's game, he had a good game. He dropped 29. I think this Mavs team is dangerous in the postseason. I'm sorry. I know a lot of people don't buy into uh, the way Luka plays. It's, I mean, he's just incredible because there's no rhyme or reason. to. He is talking smack. He threw a pass last night, driving to his left, or driving to his right, behind his head, into the left corner for a three-pointer from Tim Hardaway. Mm-hmm. Every single Raptors player 
was going to the right where Luca was driving, and he hit this pass around his head. It's just like, I, I just think it's a special team. Some of the moves they made, we'll see if it helps. And P.J. Washington played great last night. I'm rambling here, but like, just wanted to talk about that game. Uh, in the NHL, I think Vegas and Boston's probably one of the best matchups tonight. Uh, under five and a half is a good play. I honestly think tonight sucks for gambling. Um, I'm probably going to look into more as I'm going to go down and do the Johns Hopkins uh, radiothon after this, be a part of that. But like, I'll be looking at stuff in the commercial breaks. And a, lot of, a lot of hockey today. You want to tell Sed that you want him traded? He's looking at me like he, he's ready for yeah, it. Yeah, what you want, Rob? <laughs> what you got to say? This is hot stove talk. It's just funny how. I'm going to burn your ass. Just yeah. I told you, TV's becoming like Facebook. And, and I'm telling you. <laughs> You say it near beer. Bam. Like Beetlejuice. What were we talking about yesterday that popped up on my Facebook that was so weird and so outrageous? Was it a movie? We talked about something from a while back, and I'm looking at my Facebook feed, and I went, how the hell did that come up? Yeah. Something we talked about on the air, but I, I don't remember what it was. Anyway. I wish you'd talk about gambling on air right now. Let's shut up. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't gotta say, ain't gotta say anything. <laughs> I hope you lose. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I feel like Peter Griffin and Family Guy. I hate you, bees. I hate you, bees. I hate you. Anyway, nobody else gets a reference, but probably me. So with tonight, it, it's a crappy night for betting, and I know that's not what people want to hear. Um, NHL, I'll probably find a couple more games once I do a little bit well, more it's a research. Full slate tonight. Yeah, you get a full slate. Like I think. There are things that I think are interesting, but when you're betting money lines, it's totally different. I'm not telling you I think a team can keep it close and within seven points. I'm telling you I think they're going to win. That's why in the NHL, you see me with a lot of totals and smaller favorites, small underdogs in, in spots that I think teams are good in. Like, I'm interested in the Islanders tonight on the road at Detroit. Detroit's minus 130. Um, Islanders minus 110. Kind of one of those weird things where both teams are going to be favored because of the small favorite uh, in the NHL. But the only total I saw was Vegas and NHL, or Vegas and NHL, Vegas and uh, Boston under five and a half. In uh, college hoops, again, it's it's kind of a lighter night for some of the things that you might want to watch. Not a lot of like last night we had all these top twenty-five teams in action. Mm-hmm. Tonight you're not getting that. You're not. I mean, you got Michigan and Rutgers as a marquee game. USC and Washington State. Does that float your boat? There's a lot of. Small schools tonight, like Tennessee Martin, Tennessee Tech. Uh, we do have some HBCUs playing tonight. Uh, Gonzaga and San Francisco late. I think San Fran's interesting there, plus the three and a half. They always play them tough. Um, I'm interested to hear the two that interest me are Eastern Carolina, plus three and a half against Memphis and Abilene Christian and Southern Utah over the 154. Like no ranked teams are playing each other at all. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's kind of a crappy night. Nebraska, Ohio State's playing. Um, yeah, just it's just one of those nights where you look at the slate and you go, I wish there was something I really loved. You know, like as I'm looking at it, I think the Nets are extremely interesting against the Hawks. And I think the Bucks and Hornets should go under the 216. And I know everybody's going to bet the over there because it's a low total. And you look at this game, surprisingly, you could say it's their offense is so bad, but the Hornets are actually playing really good defense right now since all the trades went down. And they moved everybody out. They've become a defensive-minded team, and it slowed it down. Plus, their offense just sucks. This should be a game they get blown out. The main Binghamton yeah, doesn't float your boat? Yeah, Binghamton. That's... What about Bryant, UMass Lowell? That doesn't do anything for you? <laughs> well, I've never Longwood, been... Gardner, Webb. I've never been Longwood. No? So, yeah. Range Rover, all good. Mammoth Hampton. Nope. No, really? No. 
Look, Campbell man. Charleston. <laughs> you no. want to keep going? Jacksonville State, UTEP. Which, which no, ones I'm do you going get Wagner to? Lemoyne. I think it's Wagner. <laughs> anyway, I guess like if we were looking at it, my favorite play. I think the Nets are in a great spot tonight. I'm really interested in East East Carolina. Uh, I'll find some more a little bit later, but right now that's kind of where we're at. And as I said last night with the the over in the Mavericks Raptors, when I talked in the morning, I talked about the over in the Pacers game. It wasn't a play for me yesterday because there was too much going on with whether or not Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and a handful of other players were going to play in the game. They did. Game went under. I wasn't on it. Um, I did go get on the Kings and Nuggets over, and then obviously that turned into a blowout and didn't hit. So there you go. Southeast Missouri State, Moorhead State. I like Moorhead. (laughs) Yeah. They're actually favored by 18 and a half. Yeah. They should handle business. They should. Moorhead. Moorhead State. I didn't know Omaha was a college. Omaha versus St. Thomas, Minnesota. Does it listen? That's in the Summit Division, yeah. Summit League. Everybody knows that Summit. It's big time. Omaha, St. Thomas, Minnesota. Man, they got this thing. They have a line on that game. Yeah. St. Thomas is favorite, seven and a half. Well, well, who puts a line on that game? Did you know there was a Abilene no- Christian in Southern Utah is a. Whack conference game. Yeah, you got like Northern Colorado and Weber State. So wait a minute, let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. Whack, whack. Is that where? Uh, is Gonzaga in the whack? Is the West Coast Conference? They're, they, they're WCC. Yeah, but didn't they go? They went Mountain West, right? Did they? I don't know. I thought they went Mountain West for basketball. Hey, man, there's too many teams moving conferences. I don't even. Hey, the, the other, I was just arguing, doing the Big Twelve before. And no, that was maddening. The, the they, WCC. Okay, the, I, I was arguing with some dude about Marshall, and I hadn't even realized that they changed conferences years ago. Marshall, like, Marshall, Marshall. I was, I was like, "What are you talking about, man? They're in the MAC. We always talk about the MAC games, MAC." And mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. that. Yeah. <laughs> the MAC. They left a while ago. Yeah, four years ago. Maybe. I think it was longer than that. I, who knows? I mean, just jumping from this to that. Kevin Willard joins us at 945, but on the other side, Joe LaCroix's encore, Black History Moment, the final of the month, and what we learned today on the fan. You guys heard about the uh, Chiefsaholic fan, uh, I think it's Xavier Babudar, 29 years old, arrested for bank robbery. He found guilty, but they haven't given him sentence him yet. He could face up to 50 years in jail. Well, his lawyer, Matthew Merriman, gets the shovel for this right here. From the beginning of this case, folks, the government has been blitzing and Xavier's pocket was collapsing. But today, Xavier stepped into the pressure. He took responsibility for his actions. He stood up in court, humble and repentant, and admitted what he had done. Now, if I know anything, about Xavier, and if the Chiefs Kingdom knows anything about Chiefsaholic, we know that he doesn't give up. We know that if he stumbled and he fell, he didn't let his knee touch the ground. Yeah, yeah, he said that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what his lawyer said afterwards. Bro, You're kidding me? The only, no. The no. only thing this is missing is either him starting a slow clap or chanting MVP. Yeah. Trying to get everyone, <laughs> this MVP. is a guy. This is a guy who stole. <laughs> Nearly $700,000 across five banks in Iowa, Nebraska, and Tennessee throughout 2022. And you're sitting here, he, he'll do a great thing. He attempted a bank robbery in Minnesota. 
But upon further review, his knee never touched the ground, playboy. I mean, this isn't like someone had a stumble in life. No, 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 no. They had it. They drove impaired. They hit a, a car. Or they they had one bad incident. They had a five. punch somebody in the face. He's sticking up banks for a living. Five he, times. Yeah. Five well, times. That, this lawyer makes it sound like he missed the game-winning layup. But exactly. Get him down, guys. Exactly. Don't worry. He'll be out robbing be, more banks. He'll be a short memory. He'll be back. <laughs> Scott Van Pelt ate him up. Ate him up. He made a name for himself. He wrote that out. Yeah. Now time for our Black History Moment. February 29th is our final one of the uh, year. Glennie Moore, having him on, he works with Morgan, played for Morgan, got me thinking on another level. I'm talking about historically black colleges and universities. We call them HBCUs. Uh, I'll tell you all about them. They consistently outperform non-HBCUs in student experience, affordability, and after-college preparedness for black students. HBCUs provide students uh, something they can't get Anywhere else, a diverse and inclusive community of scholarship that celebrates the richness of the entire American experience. The 180-plus years of success of HBCUs is driven by visceral promise of support to all students. HBCUs offer a safe and nurturing uh, environment for everyone, black, white, Asian, Latino, the wealthy, the less advantaged, and all in between. Lower costs and less debt, affordable uh, according to the fact sheet, the average cost of attending an HBU is 27% less than comparable colleges. After college preparedness, uh, studies show that black HBCU graduates are generally better prepared for life beyond college and more engaged at work than their non-HBCU graduates. Assist, additionally, black HBCU grads are more likely to, uh, to be thriving in purpose and financial well-being than non-HBCU students. We joke a lot. I attended Liberty University. I did, but I finished at an HBCU, and that's Coppin State University. Baltimore is uh, a very uh, uh, unique, the fact that we have not one, but two HBCUs in this city. Uh, that's our final Black History moment of the year, as this is February 29th. Now it's time for you to find out what we learned today. Ed Norse. Well, today's a rare day because it's hard to find a lot of things about history since it's February 29th when it occurs every four years. But there were some interesting things in the world of sports. In 2012 in Italy, the United States beat Italy in soccer for the first time in over 78 years. It was an 11-game wow. stretch over 78 years. What Italy, year was that? Uh, 2012. Okay. Um, so they finally beat Italy after a 78-year drought. In 1980, Gordie Howe of the Hartford Whalers scores his 800th NHL goal. They beat the Blues 3 to nothing. But the one I found most interesting was way, way back in 1964. Jerry Lucas and Oscar Robertson, when the Cincinnati Royals were a team, now the Sacramento Kings, I guess, um, they combined for a rare 40-40 performance. Uh, league MVP Oscar Robertson had 43 points that night. Jerry Lucas had 40 rebounds. So it's just don't see many 40-40 combinations in the NBA. Teams don't get 40 rebounds no. sometimes. He had 40 person. rebounds by himself at 28 points that night, uh, Lucas. And he ended, he ended up being the rookie of the year. Jeez. Well, I learned today. I already know it. I want to say happy birthday to my dad. Happy birthday, Pop. He's 20. My father turns <laughs> 80 years old today, but he will tell you that he's 20. <laughs> I've it. only had 20 birthdays. Oh, that's right. The 29th. <laughs> I only had, as, as he'll say, I had 20 birthdays. That makes me 20. 
ah, it makes you weird because I'm older than that. So the day is his fifth, his 80th birthday. True story. My father, and not because I was short of friends, but my father was my best man in my wedding. Um, he has been lifeline. And my dad never lived. I never lived with my dad. Mm-hmm. Never, never. I was a mistake. <laughs> but he never treated me like that. And my dad has been. You talk about high school football games. My dad took my entire middle school class out to lunch when I graduated from middle school. He's always been a president. That's awesome. Yeah. Always. You know, there's not there's not one period of my life where I remember him absent. You know, he's always been there. And on top of that, he is the world's best grandfather. My kids absolutely adore him. Um, I do remind them though. You know, my dad was a little little. A little meaner back in the day. Said, you know, doesn't it feel like everybody's parents Bill, were? Bill, the famous Bill Cosby line was, "That's not my father. That's an old man trying to get into heaven." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Pop, I called him Pop. And he, somebody else once called him Pop before he said, "You're not him. You don't call me Pop." <laughs> so Pop, happy birthday to you. Eighty and still going strong. Love you, man. Four ten five eight three one zero five seven. That's the number. What's up? Alligators can live up to 100 years, which is why there's an increased chance that they will see you later. (laughs) (laughs) You guys heard about the new uh, corduroy pillows? No. They're making headlines. (laughs) (laughs) No? Oh, that was good. That was a good one. I like that one. Yeah, that's pretty good. All right. um, My dad told me to make the little things count. Now I'm teaching math to dwarfs. Oh, Oh, you guys. That's not bad. Who Come hi- on. Who hides Don't in make the- me laugh at that. <laughs> who hides in the bathroom at parties? The potty pooper. <laughs> Adam and Eve were the first to refuse the apple terms and conditions. <laughs> the burrito's so delicious. <laughs> uh, my friend Jack claims he can communicate with vegetables. Jack and the beans talk. <laughs> kind of bad, right? Real yeah, bad. That was yeah, a bad, real bad. I was trying to find one that would like really put it over the top and be great. Um, this one's good. My chemistry teacher asked me, "What's barium?" I said, "It's exactly what you do after you kill him." <laughs> <laughs> and there uh, you go. Jerry Carr. Let's go out to the phone lines. Ed Towson. What's up, Ed? Hey, gentlemen. How y'all doing? Doing well, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So look, so long, long time ago, this is a little. Little black history, couple of seconds. Uh, I I was a teacher in D.C. Never Thomas Elementary School, and and uh, the the principal told me she's like, uh, uh, you know, Ed, I need you to go do me a favor. I said, What's up, Doc? And she was like, uh, I need you to go pick up Martin Luther King III. And I'm like, What? Me? Wait a minute. You you really want me to do that? And she's like, Yeah. So I went to pick him up. Prior to me picking him up, I had to go clean out the car because. I had seeds in the in the in the ashtray. I had all kinds. I mean, because man, that was, Ed, you, you ain't know. never met no Doctor Martin Luther King the <laughs> Third. <laughs> you stupid! You so stupid! You're stupid! But look, I can't even finish that one. But look, Jeremy, his was crazy. I cleaned the car, got the little crown that everybody. You wasn't supposed to buy because of the, you know because of who made it and yeah. air freshener. Yep, yep, the Ku Klux Klan clown. I uh, I used to call it. Well, I, used to, I put that in the back of the car, and I went to pick him up. Nice man, you know, pick him up short, you know, stocky fellow. So I pick him up, and we it was like a 10-minute conversation going to the school. So we had a good conversation. Yes, sir, Mr., you know, Dr. King, that kind of thing. 
right before we got to the school, Jeremy, we pulled up, and he's like, hmm, you must have had some fun last night, my brother, because this car smells way too good, so you must have been doing some partying. And I'm like, I'm like, I, I couldn't even answer him, dog. I was like, uh, uh, Dr. King, okay. Yeah. I didn't know what to say because he was like, it smelled too good. He's like, oh, you done some polishing up. I, I, always, I always say this on, on comments like that, Ed. Game recognized game. <laughs> How do you know unless, you know. You know. <laughs> you know. Closing out the show with Maryland head basketball coach Kevin Willard on the fan. 9.45 in the a.m. Baltimore's Big Bad Morning Show on the fan. Ed Norris, Rob Long, Jeremy Kahn joining us right now, courtesy of the WGK Long guest hotline, head coach of the Maryland Terps men's basketball team, Kevin Willard. What's going on, coach? What's up, guys? Hey, man, I'm looking at Jameer Young's numbers once again. Last night going 6-14, 11-12 on the line. This guy scored 24 points, 6 assists, and only one turnover, committed one foul. Um, it, it, has he? We all thought he was an outstanding basketball player, but to me, it seems as if he's taking another step forward, not just becoming a good scorer, but becoming clutch as well uh, for this offense and being able to start the offense as well as finish the offense. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Jameer's, you know, I think his progression from last year to this year, I think last year he was, um, we really relied on him scoring the basketball, but this year I think he's also done a great job of uh, progressing into being a, a really good point point guard with a great feel for the game. He's he's been he's been fantastic all year. What the game that the Northwestern game obviously was disappointing for everybody. Um, if they just shot at their, their the percentage they shot at this year for three point um, baskets, yeah. um, they would have won this game. What just a bad night? It was something else off. No, I mean I think you know one, one of the biggest things that it, it's a little frustrating sometimes, and it's 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 kind of a, a learning curve for everybody. Is you know Northwestern's coming off a bye week, so. We tried, you know, trying to explain to guys that, like, you know, they're they're going to know everything that we run. They've right. had seven days to prepare. Um, you know, we're, we were coming off a really good win against Rutgers, um, and you know, we got our first four open shots were were really good looks. Um, and you know, we we kind of had this issue at home is we've missed a couple shots early, and it's really affected us for the rest of the game. And um, they did an excellent job on Julian Reese. Um, you know, Julian's been I think one of the best centers in college basketball all year and they were physical with him. Um, they were bumping him. Uh, they did a great job double teaming him um, and they kind of took him out of the game. And, you know, once we lost kind of that inside game, um, you know, we just, we, we just kind of lost some confidence in our shooting during the game. Talk to me a little about Indiana because uh, they're big. Ma- I mean, you just look at this team and there's a ton of talent from Renault to where to, um, and I know they've kind of underachieved defensively, maybe not up to what some of the other teams in the Big Ten, but I think they can score with some of them as well. What do you make of this Indiana team in your next game coming up? Yeah, I mean, I you know, it, I think their inside game with Renault and, and Khalil Ware, who's one of the better young He's guys so I've seen in college, college basketball in a long time, um, you know, their inside presence really hurt us last time. I think that's, you know, they've had a little bit of the same issue we've had at times, that they struggled to make shots. Um, you know, they've gotten great inside um, production, but they've struggled to make shots. So, 
Um, in the first game there, we kind of struggled to score inside against them just because we're knowing where we're so good. Here with Kevin Willow, head coach of Maryland Terps. Coach, you talked about getting your first four shots with really good looks. And and, and one of the things that I tell players all the time, when people say you, you took too many threes, tell them, no, I didn't take too many threes. I missed too many threes. And I think that was kind of <laughs> the result last night. We talked about this earlier. You know, that's kind of what Northwestern gave you last night. So you, you got to play within the offense. And and those are the shots that you that you're getting. You got to take those shots. Yeah, I mean, I, again, and you know, Northwestern is a really good defensive team. They're they're big, they're physical. Um, you know, Chris has done a great job of kind of figuring out what you're allowed to get away with in this league from a defensive standpoint. Um, and they packed it in on us. You know, they weren't going to let Julian kind of do what he did against Rutgers. Um, they weren't going to let us post up. You know, Dante Scott, and they kind of just. They kept five guys inside the paint and, you know, dared us to shoot the basketball. And, you know, unfortunately, we just, you know, we've, we've actually shot the basketball better on the road than we have at home, which is unusual. And, you know, unfortunately, we just, we just couldn't buy one last night. But um, that's kind of how the season's gone pretty much was typical of last night. Hey, Coach, I'm kind of interested in your thoughts on the sh- – you were talking about, like, the long layoff and having time to prepare for a team. Can you get, you know – a paralysis by analysis in doing that, or you like having more time off? And and I, I guess each team would be different too, and whether or not you know if if you had to play two days later, would they be ready? Um, your thoughts on just coaching with uh, the way that the schedule sets up for these kids? And, and yeah, I mean, I, I you know I think you know it, you know it college college basketball, it, it's it, the scheduling is always kind of something you look at. Is you know anytime you can have a week to prepare for a team. Um, you're going to have an advantage, you know, especially when if a team plays a couple games in that time. So it's like even if it, even having one more day of preparation is is, is huge, just because um, the college game is actually a little bit more complicated than, than the NBA game. The NBA, you kind of know what you're going to get. You got to stop. You got to stop LeBron. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's not complicated. So. Um, yeah, we've been on the we've been on the wrong side of that a couple times, and and again, you know, you give a, a good a good defensive team like Northwestern, you know, six days to get ready for your offense, they're they're going to be locked in on you, especially early, you know, and that was the that was what we were trying to get to our guys was like, hey, I know we're it's five to four and there's twelve minutes to go and a half, but you know, let's just keep doing what we're doing defensively, and eventually we'll break and you know. Boo Boo, we made a couple big shots and we missed a couple shots, and that was the game. Oh, I hate that guy, Boo Boo. Well, you're going to get that coach that week off. You're going to play Indiana on Sunday, and then you get an entire week off before Penn State, and then only three days to get ready for the Big Ten tournament. So it's 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 crazy down this last stretch. Yeah, it's been uh yeah we we've been um we've been we've been rolling. We've had a lot of games in February. Um, I think our guys have handled it really well. We, again, we've had some, unfortunately, some really tough losses. You know, um, the Ohio State game, we had a chance to win on the road. The Wisconsin um, was a crazy game where we, we we really got a bad whistle and had a chance to win on the road. Um, and then last night, I just, you know, we just couldn't get it going offensively. But these kids have given great effort all year. Um, got a, You know, we have senior night on Sunday. We'll, we got four seniors, you know, we're going to celebrate. We want to go out. You know, make sure we give these guys a great senior night, and uh, you know, leave the Cine Center with a W. Ed, do you want to ask something about the Knicks? The Warriors are in town tonight. They're playing at the Garden tonight. Yeah, so you got Steph <laughs> yeah. Curry at the Garden. Yeah. So. Hey, hey, as long as they keep doing what they're doing, I'm excited. You know, I think it's going to be that. I think they're going to catch the Celtics. 
um, in the second round, which would be awesome, um, yeah. just because I, I still have a bunch of guys up in Boston that I get great seats for. So I'll go up to the, <laughs> I'll be able to catch the second round with the Celtics uh, next. That would be a great playoff series. The only problem is they played four hundred times. The Celtics have won over three hundred of them. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really like what, true. I like what the Knicks have done though. So now you set up Bogey in one corner, you set OG up in the other corner, and you let Jalen work with you know the rest of that crew and what they have. I I, I think I actually like their team. I don't know that they'll knock off the Celtics, mm-hmm. but I think they actually have I, a yeah, shot. I don't, to I don't know. If, yeah. I don't know if anybody can knock off the Celtics right yeah, now. They're I, good. They're good. They're just, they're they're defensively they're really good, and offensively the the amount of points they're putting up right now is. You know, I think their points differential is like their plus ten and point differential, which is insane in the NBA. With the Knicks, I'm just I'll take when they can get. I'm happy. So yeah. it's like. <laughs> Well, there he is. Coach, good luck to you on Sunday, my friend, uh, and, and to the singers, the four singers that you have. I appreciate it, guys. Always good being with you. Thanks, Always. Yeah. Uh, it, it, again, uh, looking at the, the game last night, you can box score scout and say, well, they shot to me in threes. Huh? Well, Weston packed it in on them. Yeah, but they uh, said, you're not coming in here. I mean, they said it right. I know you guys were joking about it, but, like, they didn't shoot too many threes. They missed they too missed many. They missed too many. Yeah, I tell players that all the time. Somebody told me I shot too many threes. No, you didn't. I didn't know you missed too many. Yeah. You changed that. That's like that's when, what you gotta change. When someone would throw a bad pass and go, do you my tell fault. that to the girls you coach? I think you do. Yeah. yeah. That's what I figured. Yeah. What? Absolutely. That line, because I've heard that before from him. Yeah. Which line? <laughs> that one. You, almost, you didn't shoot too many. Oh, you, you missed, too, you missed many. too many. Yeah, no. You gotta sh- listen, listen. That's the way the game is played now, Jeremy. You yeah. know, you can sit here and be, oh, back in my day. That's fine. That's fine. If you prohibit that part of the game from your kids, you're not getting good kids because they're going to go where they can shoot. <laughs> That's just how it is. That's part of the game. You don't have to hate me. Hate Steph Curry. Guess what he did? Vinny and Haney up next. Have yourselves a safe and wonderful Thursday. What do you call it, Ed? Friday, Beth. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. T Mobile.com.